0: Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. Welcome a- back. Man. Been to a long stay time, winning. Since we've got to talk on here, oh, you know cover four. It, Thanks for tuning in. You know I it's to draft do it, day, baby. Tomorrow it yeah. is the day. We are here. We are right on the edge, right on the doorstep. And today we're going to be breaking down. Everything in the draft. We're not going to spit out another stupid mock draft like everybody else does. Nobody cares. These mock drafts are pointless, Nick. They're pointless. Nobody can predict what's going to happen. But what we're going to do, Nick, we're going to break down some of these players, look at some team needs, kind of break down this draft a different way, a little bit of position by position even, kind of breaking down some of these players. So going to be a lot of fun. Excited for today's episode of Cover 4 associated with Rock Solid Sports on WTK. 90.3 The Rock. We are sponsored by Fieldhouse Social. Go check it out, man. FieldhouseSocial.com. Great spot. Nick will be there tonight as we will uh, be having our live show tonight, 7 to 8, as always. So definitely check that out as well. But uh, yeah, Fieldhouse Social. Tell them Rock Solid sent you. Tell them that Cover 4 sent you. As always, my name is Draven Vaughn. With me is Nicholas Hill. Nick, like I said, man, it's been a minute. We took a little bit of a hiatus, but here we are, and we're going to start pumping out some more content again because we got the draft. It's going to be a big weekend for the NFL, seeing where these players end up. And, of course, we're going to continue uh, pumping out some episodes, breaking down these teams, some additions, some losses. But first, let's look at this draft, Nick. I'm excited. How are you feeling?
1: And I'm excited. You know, every drafting. you know the Drake song, draft day? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. All day tomorrow because it's it's, it's exciting, right? Like I know it it's not technically a game, but the first round of the NFL draft is always, in my opinion, one of the most anticipated sporting events of the entire calendar year. It's one of the events that I personally look forward to, and it, it's just because it's the future and it's the fun of not knowing which of these players are going to be Hall of Famers, which one of them are going to be really good, and which one of them are going to be bust, and you know. Obviously, it'll be years before we can properly judge how good they are. But hey, we're gonna take our best shot. Obviously, we're not doing a mock draft because that's dumb. Or we don't want to be Chris Sims. Exactly. Fields <laughs> thirty-two. Like, what are you doing, man? But
0: oh anyways,
1: no, I'm ready to go. I shot
0: at Chris Sims to start the show. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you know. I'm not Chris Sims. He's been right on some stuff. A lot, a couple of bold takes every now and then. But you're right, man. Justin Fields at 32. What are we doing? What are we like? It, there's a certain point where these mock drafts. You just got to stop being so crazy and just just stick with the basics here. Stick with your instinct, right? Like how lucky I think that,
1: would the Buccaneers be? Like if Justin Fields fell all the way to them at 32, and they didn't have to trade, and they got their next quarterback who gets to be trained effectively by Tom Brady. The
0: perfect transition right the perfect transition would be an absolute steal and Nick we're, we're going to talk a lot about the quarterbacks and that that really brings up my first kind of reaction to what's been kind of going on in the last couple of weeks as we continue to get more you know reports and rumors of who these teams like which you know quarterbacks they like especially because of course it's all centered around the quarterbacks and one thing I noticed Nick is it's like these NFL GMs and these these NFL experts, these, you know, analysts and all these guys, I swear they just – it seems like they overthink some of these things. Like the, the whole Devontae Smith not weighing enough. The whole, you know, 170 pounds and, like, people are making a big deal of that. Now you look at draft boards and it's like he's starting to slip behind, you know, Jalen Waddle, and, you know, people are definitely taking Jamar Chase as the best overall receiver. And it's like, man, are we – Are we not overthinking this just a little bit, Nick, when it comes to, like, size of a player or even just something as simple as, like, an interview, a sit-down interview, and, you know, you have teams saying, like, yeah, the best interviewees were, you know, Trey Lance and Mac Jones, and that's a big deal. It's like, is it a big deal, though? Like, Nick, That's let's start right there. That's my first question going into this draft. Like, how much of it are some of these guys overthinking it or how much do you take in some of the little details, like, size or size of a hand for a quarterback or how well they do in an interview how important in your opinion is that stuff to an NFL GM let's say you are a GM like how much are you taking away from a guy maybe struggling in an interview a little bit
1: I mean I think when it comes to the interview aspect of it and the wonderlick of course I know the wonderlick it's questionable how reliable that actually is in the long run but I I think when it comes to your quarterback, right, you you need someone who's going to make a lot of decisions very quickly. And it's going to be someone that is uh, going to be your long-term face of your franchise. And you want that person ideally to be a smart person, someone who you can depend on because otherwise, you know, you you could potentially end up with a Jamarcus Russell or making the case of my time, you end up with Vince Young, someone who has a ton of talent, but just didn't fully apply themselves. And, you know, they end up flying out of the league in just a few years. So I think from a quarterback perspective, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Now when it comes to the physical attributes like size, size of hand. I think that's a little overblown because, you know, if you can throw a football, you can throw a football. And as we've seen with several other quarterbacks, the guys like Drew Brees, um, you don't have to be 6'5 in order to fling the football all over the field. You can be a great quarterback below six feet, and I think that that shouldn't be held against a quarterback if they're not necessarily the ideal size. Because there's a lot of other intangibles. There's athleticism to be considered. There, it's uh, how well they can command an offense. How well can they adjust? Um, in the case of Justin Fields, for example, they I think they hold a lot of these things against him in particular. But one of the things I think about is you know he started his career at Georgia. He was learning that particular offense, a pro style offense where he wasn't going to be played to a string speaker, He switched over to Ohio State, which is more spread. And he picked that up pretty quickly and became a star quarterback there. So he showed he's already shown me that he's able to transition. He's already shown me just how viable of a player he is by being able to go into a new locker room and become the leader virtually overnight. And that's exactly what you want from your quarterback. And I think in that debate, you know, yes, you know, if you can play, you can play. But I do think also the leadership side of things and how they've conducted themselves in the past and how they've handled themselves with the media. I think that all is very important because, well, yes, you definitely, you know, I think you can tolerate personality. they got a guy like Camden, who was very good for several years and also has a personality that helps you with your fans, helps connect, create that connection. And you, you would love to have that. At the same time, though, at the end of the day, are they going to be competent enough to grasp an NFL offense, to run an NFL offense, because to be honest, that's what separates the great from merely good quarterbacks. Is the quarterbacks who can virtually be their own offensive coordinator. Think about what Peyton Manning could do. Think about virtually what Tom Brady does. What Aaron Rodgers. Does. These are these are all insanely smart guys who are able to you know call plays on the fly because they've seen it all. And for these young quarterbacks, it's going to be interesting to see which one of them can morph into that because there's a lot of really talented quarterbacks here and I, I kind of want to make this point as before we kind of go into the quarterbacks if you're a team desperate for a quarterback this is the year to get it because I was looking at next year's quarterback class
0: oh no it it's doesn't look, ugly doesn't look
1: <laughs> great I mean the top uh prospect is uh Justin Slough from Oregon who is decent but I oh, don't know. They had guys like Tanner Morgan in the top five from Minnesota. Sam,
0: Sam Howell with North Carolina. I've seen Pendon yeah. Slovis with USC guys that just.
1: Uh, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Right. I think really <laughs> You're but, like,
0: ah, eh, don't yeah. know about all that. I will say, though, you know, I don't think anybody thought Burrow was going to be, you know, a, a number one pick before he had his breakout year, right? So, like, you always do have those guys who have just absolute breakout years or even, you know, some no-name guys that you never really heard of or, don't hear much about and they kind of have a, a unbelievable season and a magical year or whatever. So you never know. We could have somebody like that, but you're right, Nick, it does feel. And I think that's why there is so much talk around these quarterbacks. I do think that's why this has been so much emphasized because it's like, Hey, if we don't get a guy now, like, <laughs> where are we looking at here in the future? Like, I mean, we can maybe trade for a guy, but there's just not a lot of quarterbacks. Like the quarterback market, is going to be pretty thin maybe in the next couple of years. So I think that's a really good point. I want to save the quarterbacks uh, for a little bit later just because that's that's going to be the bulk probably of our debate. That's going to be the bulk of what we're talking about just because, again, drafts, everything is sitting around the quarterbacks, and that's where all the talk has been. But also, like I said, the talk has been a lot about just kind of overlooking or overanalyzing these guys a little bit. So I wanted to start there. And I think the other big news, Nick, kind of going around the NFL draft that uh, really is just kind of big news not official, I would say. Not absolutely official. Of course, nothing is official until the draft starts and the picks are absolutely officially in. But uh, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN, and I believe it was Diana Rossini as well, backed it up. They both are reporting that the Falcons, who might be one of the more intriguing teams in the uh, NFL draft this season, Nick, just because of where they're at, kind of uh, you know a lot of trade rumors surrounding them, them trading back team's trying to move up and potentially get a quarterback. There's just a lot of stuff. Or does Atlanta take a quarterback themselves? Do they take the successor of just or of Matt Ryan, about said Justin Fields, who is a guy that, you know, potentially could have went there. A lot of people thought put those two together. But reports are coming in, Nick. Kyle Pitts tied in. People are saying the best player in this draft. It looks like they might stay at number four and take their guy, Kyle Pitts. And, of course, that has to kind of segue to the rumors as well of Julio Jones in the trade talks. Man, oh man. Julio, one of the arguably what, top five receiver in the NFL, still, despite having a, a tough year last year, a top five wideout is potentially going to get traded as the Falcons are listening to calls. So breaking all this down, Nick, if I tell you originally, hey, the Falcons are going to be taking Kyle Pitts, what is your initial reaction from hearing that?
1: I mean, I I would do the same thing if I were the Falcons game. I think Kyle Pitts, as you said, is perhaps the single most talented tight end prospect we've ever seen, ever. And obviously we've seen guys like Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle really emerge into some of the greatest tight ends ever. And I think Kyle Pitts could definitely be on that level if put into the right situation, just because if you look at how the way he plays, the way he lines up, he is essentially a super-sized wide receiver who can play tight end which is absolutely incredible. You know, I had the uh, – I was able to watch him play here in Neeland, in Knoxville here a few months ago, and just watching him in person, to just how fast he is. Like, he is as fast as the majority of wide receivers that I got to see all of last year. I mean, it's just incredible that a guy that big could be that fast, be that versatile. I mean, he barely drops any balls. He – um he's a match of nightmare no matter where you put him you can line him out all the way wide you can line him inside he is a, a must not miss player and if you're in the Atlanta Falcons I understand you Matt Ryan's getting up in age you might want to think about getting a, a backup quarterback But we have to remember Matt Ryan is only 35 years old he still could have several years left in the tank as we've seen because quarterbacks seemingly these days play forever
0: But, Nick, let let, let me – I don't mean to cut you off, but do we think Matt Ryan has that in the tank? Because i tell you what, man, like some of the stats aren't terrible, but, I mean, you talk about a lot of garbage time yardage, a lot of just – that. you know, Matt Ryan, one takeaway for me this past season, and we've talked about it on pods before, but just like his pocket presence has just been terrible. He takes such bad sacks and such bad opportunities. And, of course, you talk about all the blown leads and just not – really a whole lot of clutch moments. I mean, we called him Matty Ice back in the day, but last three or four years, I would say even really since the Super Bowl, he's been seen more as a choke artist, if anything, right? Uh, Do we think he still has that in the tank? Because my opinion is, yes, Kyle Pitts is great, but man, it's hard for me not to take a quarterback when like we just talked about, the future of the quarterbacks look a little bleak here in the next couple of years.
1: Right, and there certainly is that concern, I just, I do think if you take a look at the, how those Falcons games went, you know, and most of the time they got out to it really nicely and yeah, they, you collapse a lot. And you know, how much of that's on Matt Ryan is debatable, right? Cause I think a lot of that goes on the defense. Some of that goes on to play calling, but some of it does go back to Matt Ryan, but I still think that the potential is there. And I think one of the things I'm interested to see is how he works with offer Smith. And of course I think extremely high of Arthur Smith, just seeing what he did with the Tennessee Titans offense. These uh, of the best Titans offense I've seen in my time as a Titans fan. And I think, especially if you pair him with Kyle Pitts, because Arthur Smith before he was an OC was a Titans coach. And he yeah, has- know that. Uh, he has displayed the ability to utilize superstar talents. I mean, like what he was able to do with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. He's able to get the ball to those guys. And I really think that there's a chance that Matt Ryan is able to have a bit of a resurgence year. I mean, even then the stats aren't that terrible. I mean, it was funny is in terms of like completions, it's last year, technically have one of, you know, had 407 completions last year, which is one of the highest years he's ever had. He still completed 65% of his passes, which is still very high, pretty impressive. And compared to some of the other older quarterbacks, like Ben Roethlisberger or Drew Brees, whenever I watched Matt Ryan, I didn't feel like I was seeing the same fall off. And you knew there was all kinds of organizational chaos, especially with the coaching change of midseason, that I think diminished the quality of his play. So I'm not completely out on Matt Ryan. And I really think this is essentially his last chance to prove that he is a great quarterback, because I think there's a lot of debate over that. Um, if they had held on to that lead in the Super Bowl, there would be no debate because he would be a Super Bowl MVP right now.
0: It's crazy. I, I, I think about that because I actually have a, a close friend who's a diehard Falcons fan. Right. And we, we've had the discussion. It's, it's just crazy to think about how much your legacy changes just from, you know, that that one game, that one moment, the, the, the chances that the Atlanta had, because you're right. We're looking at Matt Ryan so differently if he has a Super Bowl ring, right? Just, yeah, that, I mean, just that
1: one game. Our, he basically would be like Dirk Nowinski, right? Because Dirk Nowinski has one ring, was pretty consistent throughout his career. You know, No one argues that Dirk Nowinski is the greatest player ever in the NBA, but everyone recognizes that he is a great, especially of his era. And right. I think that's the way we'd be looking at Matt Ryan. I think it'd be basically like Drew Brees, essentially, because Drew Brees has the one ring. And even though he wasn't able to get back to the Super Bowl, I mean, he still is always going to have that one ring. But Matt Ryan doesn't. And it's going to be interesting to see if he could do that. Um, I just – of course, I'm not saying that the Falcons are, especially with the Buccaneers and the way they are right now. But certainly, I think there's a chance that they can get back to the playoffs next year, without that, in my opinion.
0: Okay. Well, wow. I mean, Saints taking a step back. Man, Tampa just has the – I wouldn't say taking a step back or really taking that much of a step forward. They got the, the same exact team. They're running right. everything back real quick to get away from the draft for just a couple of minutes, because we got to talk about it. Julio Jones, uh, Nick, I, I got to bring it up. I mean, all the, first the, the trade rumors are, are kind of crazy just because of how, you know, how good of a player he is, or at least how good of a player he has been. Again, past year was pretty rough. I believe he only played nine games total, uh, but still – one of the teams that really is getting a lot of tension for potentially snagging Julio Jones away from Atlanta are your Tennessee Titans, Nick. I mean, you had, uh, you know, AJ Brown tweeting out earlier today how he would even give up the, you know, his number 11 to Julio that he would love to play with his idol and that, you know, this offense would basically be unstoppable if, if Julio was uh, to join uh, Tennessee and Nashville. So, What are your thoughts on the potential of Julio Jones being in Tennessee? I mean, how big of a move could that be for for the Titans? And what would this offense look like uh, moving forward with really, I mean, two really, really good receivers? And, of course, Derrick Henry in the backfield. I mean, that would be one hell of a combo.
1: It would be now. The question is how great is Julio Jones still, uh, still at this point? Because obviously he's kind of exactly. had some injury issues, especially last year only got to play in nine games, which is a lot to made about the fact that, that, you know, he can't score touchdowns, right? Like, yeah. uh, like he's only had one double-digit touchdown year, but he's a, a really big possession guy. And the touches that he can make are incredible, at least in the prime that he had. Now, I don't think he's ever going to have a year like he had in 2015 where he had 136 receptions. Like, I don't think those days are ever coming back. I mean, the last full season he had was back in 2018 where he had 113 receptions for nearly 1,700 yards. So that's definitely definitely a superstar sass. And you can put him alongside A.J. Brown. Uh, The field opens up for – Oh,
0: man. With Derrick Henry, too, I mean, if it's me, I'm run, 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 play action, and I'm throwing it deep to one of those guys. I mean, really – because it's tough when you got to bring people in the box to start Derrick Henry, and then you've got one-on-one matchups on the outside. I mean, man, I think it would really push Tennessee to a different level offensively. Yeah. I mean, you already talked about is, how good it is. Who does
1: the who do the Titans give up for Julio Jones? Because I don't know if I'd want to give up any defensive player for him because, let's face it, the Titans defense is was very bad last year. They've made some moves this offseason, which I think – could help them because oh, i think the Titans. i don't think the Titans need to have an elite defense necessarily they just need to get back to at least being average and that would help them tremendously and being able to potentially compete for the afc you know looking at the offense do you trade one of the other weapons obviously you i think derrick henry's off the block that you don't touch him he's the best, so. <laughs> back in the best running back in the league you don't trade your best running back i, I don't know if any of the wide receivers would be a uh, up on the block, I mean, obviously we just got uh, Josh Reynolds from the Rams, who I think will be a good possession receiver, that good ride receiver free type. Um, I saw some people suggest maybe you give up like a Kevin Byard, but Byard is the best secondary player the Titans currently have. So I don't want to sacrifice into what we have left in the second because obviously the Titans are going through a lot of rebuilding on that uh, side of the ball. I think you're going to see in the draft they're going to go heavily – on uh, in those position groups to try to get them back to where they were a few years ago, when the Titans' defense was one of the best in the in the league uh, year in and year out. By the same time, though, just from a from the pure marketability standpoint, Julio Jones, to the Titans would obviously be insane, especially when you're coming off a division title, you're coming off of, you have a running back that's had back to back two K years. I don't obviously, I would be beyond excited. If that happened, but I don't know if it necessarily makes the Titans a more, more of a championship team. Cause I think regardless, they're going to be with the Colts and they're going to be finding the Colts for the AFC South. But does that put you on the level of the chiefs and the bills? I still don't think so because I think it's all about the deep. You got to get the defense up to at least average standards. And if you're still able to do that, even with bringing in Julio Jones, then maybe just maybe you can compete with those teams uh when we get to January because that's yeah. you know, I think at this point when if you're a Titans fan if you're the Titans organization yeah you know we've had our fun we had our Cinderella run to the AFC title game you won the division last year but now it's time to really think about okay what are we going to accomplish with the current core what, was it good enough just for a Cinderella run or is it time to compete for a championship and I, I think at a certain point you know you got to take advantage of the core while you have them
0: absolutely that's interesting it really is uh For Julio's sake as well, I think (laughs) looking at the list of potential teams, I think Tennessee would be on the top of his list as well. I mean, the other teams that were mentioned that he could possibly be traded to were the Jets. I believe the Eagles made the list. And I'm like, oh, goodness. Like, does he want to play? I mean, I believe the Raiders, which would be kind of not as bad. Obviously, the Raiders have a decent quarterback in Derek Carr. They got, you know, Jacobs over there. So, they wouldn't be terrible, but still – I definitely think Tennessee would be on the top of his list as well when it just comes to potential top targets so far. But we shall see. We shall see what happens there. That's going to be something to keep eyes on here in the next couple of weeks, even maybe tomorrow. Maybe a trade breaks out. You never know. Uh, but, Nick, that was a little bit of a kind of a side note there with Julio Jones. I want to really get in this draft. And, you know, since we're talking about receivers, let's start right there. Uh, this receiver class may be as loaded as last year's wide receiver class. We know last year's was great with, you know, Jared Judy, C.D. Lamb, uh, all kinds of different guys, Henry Ruggs. I mean, it was pretty explosive. We had, you know, T. Higgins top for the second round. There was guys everywhere, steals everywhere. And uh, this year, Nick, it, it's looking pretty similar. I mean, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. You got a uh, later guys that could go in the first, late first, second round with Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, Elijah Moore, Terrence Marshall. A lot of guys that we I want to talk about and kind of break down a little bit. I guess... You know, I should start with asking the simple question because it's a little bit of a debate. I talked about it earlier. You know, it kind of felt like Devontae Smith, clear-cut favorite, the guy that just won the Heisen, right? Like, how can he not be the top-rated wide receiver? But all of a sudden, you know, he he steps on a scale, and it's like he's dropping down boards. I mean, Jamar Chase is now kind of looked at, uh, you know, just looking at pro football focus in their rankings. They have Jamar Chase as the top wide receiver. They do have Devontae Smith second, but right behind him and really close is – Jalen Waddle the other Alabama wide receiver and then you drop down a little bit to Rashad Bateman who is uh, 17th overall in the PFF rankings while Jalen Waddle Devontae Smith are eight and seven so let's start I mean Nick in your opinion who is the best wide receiver uh, in this draft class because I think it is a little bit of a debate I'm curious to get your thoughts on that and you know, just kind of looking at where these guys could go, which uh which teams feel like a good fit for that for that top guy? Where do, where do you think the top receiver ends up going?
1: Yeah, so I think this is a multi multi prong answer. To me, the wide receiver that impressed me the most watching all three of these is actually Jalen Waddle. I think he was a game really surprise. Okay, I, mean, I always thought he was game breaking. Every time he touched the ball, he was a threat to score. I mean, ins- insanely quick, insanely athletic. And just really, you can put him anywhere across the field now. He's only 5'10", but he really makes up for it with just the pure speed that he has. And it was unfortunate to watch him get injured here in Knoxville uh, back during that Alabama-Tennessee game because he just has that much talent, and you would hope that that it doesn't slow him down when we get to the NFL. Now, obviously, we didn't get to see Jamar Chase last year. He took the year off. But the year before then, obviously, he was just insane. He had 24 deep catches. <laughs> yeah, that- I
0: mean, I was looking at the stats, Dick. It blows my mind, like, how close Jamar Chase was to Devontae Smith. Like, Devontae Smith had 1,800 yards. Jamar Chase had 1,700 yards. I mean, 20 touchdowns for Chase, 23 for Devontae Smith. And, you know, I, I feel like you could also make the case that, you know, Alabama – maybe better situation, better weapons. I, I don't know. I mean, LSU was really good as well. So tough I mean, to compare, but
1: Edwards Hilaire in the back. That's field. true. I, I guess that's true. Uh, it,
0: it's it's fun comparing those game. two teams and, and comparing these two receivers. But I, I do think that it's kind of crazy. We feel like Devontae Smith had one season that no receiver could ever have. Jamar Chase was awesome, man. Like he, these I may be two of the that, best. Re- go ahead.
1: Imagine a game between 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama. I mean,
0: who would, we, who, who would you take? Who are you betting on? I don't know. Who?
1: Like, I, I feel like LSU was just more clutch because uh, I mean yeah. Alabama didn't really get into any close games last year. Like, because right. that would be an insane tight game. i I, was, I, I would take LSU because, I, because I, I don't know because obviously both of the defenses <sighs> would get torched in that game.
0: I want to say LSU's defense would be well. I don't know, man. I mean, Bama's defense wasn't terrible this past year, and. Everybody's giving up a lot of points. I'm just trying to think, like LSU had quite a few guys drafted. I mean, that you know, Fullington, that Derek Stingley, who wasn't drafted but was it was a stud as well his freshman year. Uh, like I thought Justin
1: Jefferson had an argument for offensive rookie of the year last year.
0: Yeah, I mean he did. I, I, you almost forget about Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Like what a team! I think LSU would be. And then a they team. had
1: Terrence Marshall Jr. too, who's right. I think who is severely underrated. Like that dude really. Is- jumped off the screen last year because I know LSU had uh, a rough season this year by their standards, but Terrence Marshall Jr. was not the cause of that whatsoever.
0: And, and I, let, let's talk about that a little bit, Nick. Let's dive into that. So you think Jalen Wardo could be the best potential prospect out of this class. That's surprising to me. I, I do still, I, my thing is it's like, man, I, I still think Devontae Smith's going to be great. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and overlook it. Like I said earlier, Like, Jamar Chase sat out all year last year. We still think he's going to be great. Jalen Waddle's coming off an injury. You and a lot of other people think he's still going to be great. Like, we're going to think Devontae Smith's not going to be as great as expected just because he weighs a little bit less than those guys. Like, it just seems a little crazy to me. But let's start looking at – because, you know, those are guys, they're going to get all drafted probably top ten, right? And real quick, I mean – Top wide receiver, where do you think he goes? Like, where? Where's the where? Who takes the receiver first, in your opinion? Is it the Dolphins there at six? Uh, do the Bengals maybe not take Sewell and take a receiver? In your opinion, which receiver goes first, and where do they go? Real quick.
1: I mean, uh, logically, it should be the Dolphins, so that's where the top receiver should go to. But I mean, there's so much, you know, rumors about the Bengals not going with Sewell, which seems me, oh. considering that Burrow is your is your franchise quarterback and he's already been injured, and that offensive line was just horrific. I mean, you're picking up guys off the street to play on the offensive exactly. line last year, I, and
0: like, they didn't really improve it through free agency either. Like they no, added a couple exactly. of guys here and there, but nothing, nothing to say like, hey, the offensive line solidified right now. Like it's still a big and question mark.
1: Their wide receiving core is not their weakness. Like, they have Tyler Boyd, They have – Higgins, yeah, Knoxville native. Um, like, you have a good core already. Well, a good young core. I mean, you could improve it, but
0: – And the receiver class is so loaded, Nick. Like, why not take a second or third round guy? Like, you have a, a top five pick in every round. Like, you're going to get a decent uh, chance to get another potential stud receiver. Maybe a more of a slot receiver, you know? I.
1: That's, like, that's I'll, I tell, I, here's what I would do. I Like, obviously I would get Sewell at one. And mm. then at two, if he's still there, i go Rondell Moore from Purdue. Okay, Rondell right. Moore, like, I don't know how much you got to watch him in college, but that guy was explosive.
0: He was, Nick. My only thing with Rondell Moore is I, I've, I studied up on him a little bit earlier today. And, like, just motivation, I think, is a little bit concerned. Because, like, the last, you know, he, you're right. Like, 2018, I will never forget that game against Ohio State when Purdue put up, what, 50 points on him, And Rondell Moore was just eating up that secondary. I mean, it was like every time he touched the ball, it was a big play. Like, I want to say he had, like, 200 – over 200 total yards, if not more, just, you know, jet sweeps and, and screen passes and little stuff like that. And he was just tearing them up. But then again, that was two years ago. Like, his last two years – 387 yards and 270 yards total. And I get, you know, he didn't really play this past year. I think he only played him like a couple of games because of, uh, you know, COVID and all that. And, you know, Purdue just wasn't very good either way. So I understand that, but still, I think that is a little bit concerned when you have a breakout year and, you know, we're still talking about that breakout year, two years later. Is that fair to say?
1: I mean, it's fair enough. I, I feel like the same uh time, though, isn't that what we're doing with Jamar Chase as well? Because Jamar Chase didn't play at all last year. Yeah. Either. So I, I think you have to cut a lot of people just in general across the board slack. Because last That's year was true. such a crazy year with so much uncertainty. And I don't blame players that they took the year off last year and um, saved themselves, you know, because we didn't know whether or not we still really don't know the effects of COVID on the body for the long term. So I don't hold that against Randall Moore at all to not play last year.
0: Because and, and I have noticed like Rondell Moore, a lot of people thought like, hey, this guy could be a first round pick, late first round, like a, a complete, you know, one of the maybe three fourth best receiver in this draft class. And then he's kind of slipped a little bit. Now you're kind of thinking, well, maybe not as good as Elijah Moore, maybe not as good as Terrence Marshall, you know, Kadarius is Tony. You know? Well,
1: like it's that PFF has him above Kadarius Tony? Yeah, yeah. I know. Because I also got to see him, like me you know, in that Florida game last year, and I I thought he was really impressive. I kind of thought there was a chance that he may go all the way up at where the Titans are picking at twenty. And there have
0: been I've seen mock drafts in the past. Uh, you know, of course, you have all these mock drafts in the past couple weeks coming out like crazy. But I believe I want to say last week I saw one where the Titans were actually taking Kadarius Tony in that with that first round pick. So you're right. I think there it's been real. Again, I think receivers because quarterbacks like we kind of know what you know we know the first two picks like right you know we kind of know where each guy's almost going to at least go in order as these receivers like we don't even know who the top receiver is going to be taken like we don't know who the last receiver good receiver at least is going to be taken like it's a real kind of messy and that's what makes probably this one this class the most interesting just because like like i said everybody's kind of on an equal playing field. Like, what's the
1: interesting wild card? Josh Palmer. He's all the way up at 71. And, yes. you know, and let's be honest, you know, didn't do much, but let's be honest, he had Jared Garantano as his quarterback. So I can't can't hold that against him. Right. And it was interesting, as I said, he won 81% of his one on ones at the Senior Bowl. I
0: saw that. And I saw like,
1: that. He made some big plays. Like, I remember that Georgia game where I think he had like two receiving touchdowns back to back, and that was against top tier corners in the SEC. So, I, I, that it feels like it's going to be one. Of, I, there's a chance I think where Josh probably is going to be one of these Tennessee players who is just going to break out in the NFL. And we're just sitting here thinking, why didn't we use him better?
0: Is it, is he going to be on the Camaro level? No, because no, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be that good, but I do think there's going to be, it could be close because if he is really good, I mean, I love P, PFF. The first thing they say Palmer ran mostly the vertical tree in Tennessee's offense and rarely got targeted because of it. Basically, so nice. saying, They could have <laughs> Jared
1: Garrett tunnel as his quarterback.
0: Yeah, that is true too. But it's also funny that just like, it's like, Hey, like they have the best receiver on the team running just verticals and they never threw any vertical round. So it's like pretty much pointless that he was doing this and you know, of course not getting any balls, but I don't think he will be on the Kamara level, but it is going to be – again, it's going to be one of those players where, like you said, it's like, hey, another guy that was just not used enough and could end up being a complete stud. You know, like I said, maybe not as good as Kamara, but if he is productive, I, I do agree. This is a potential steal. Right. Uh, I will say another guy to keep eyes on, just kind of talking about later uh, in, the, uh, in the draft looking at receivers – A guy I like, Nick, is Kay Johnson uh, from South Dakota State. Speaking of the senior bowl, and, again, I don't know how much you want to take away from the senior bowl, but there are – I mean, it is decent competition. And, and, you know, a lot of these one-on-ones, like you said. And he actually had the highest grade in one-on-ones in the the whole senior bowl. I think him and Palmer are right there as two guys who just really stood out. And a lot of his one-on-one situations were from the slot, which, of course, having a solidified slot receiver is important. Uh, really an explosive guy he didn't play in 2020 because of course you know they're playing in the the spring or whatever but 2019 I mean 1200 yards eight touchdowns was productive so he's expected to be right around that right around the Palmer range fourth fifth round something around there Uh, so keep eyes on that guy as well anything else you want to talk about with the with the wide receivers like I said you know Chase Devontae Waddle is what it's looking like and then Rashad Bateman is another interesting character as well. You, you talked a little bit about Terrence Marshall. You like him. Elijah Moore, another slot receiver who I think is – these slot receivers, man, they're going to get drafted. They're going to be valued. These slot, you know, small, explosive kind of guys, there's always going to be value there, especially when you have – Elijah you know, Moore has
1: but he's probably had one of the best character uh, resurrections. Because remember, the year before in 2019, in that Egg Bowl, remember he catches what would have been, I guess, a game tying touchdown, but does the wow. docking?
0: Yes, that's the wow. docking
1: celebration, and then his team misses the extra point.
0: I completely forgot about that, man. That was him. Wow, I did not put two and two together. Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest oof moments <laughs> uh, right there with the player uh, throwing the shoe. For, uh, for Florida, right? Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, I, I, man, completely forgot about that. W- what are your thoughts real quick on Rashad Bateman? Because he's a guy that I think he's actually been, honestly, behind Chase Devontae Waddle. He's been, you know, one of the, the next guys kind of taken in, in a lot of mock drafts. Um, he's one of those guys that, you know, PFF has him uh, up there as well, right behind Waddle. Like I said, 17th ranked overall. Uh, but then again, you know, only five games this past year because of you know COVID, all that. Only 400 yards. So, what are your thoughts on Rashad Bateman, who is a bigger, uh, more athletic receiver, a guy that's definitely not going to be the slot. He's going to be on the outside, and he's going to be a guy that can go up and get it a little bit.
1: Right, and definitely when Minnesota had their breakout year or two years ago, he was a big reason why. Just be, but just getting for Tanner Morgan to be able to get it up to Bateman and yeah. uh, PJ Flex offense. I mean, that certainly was something great to watch. I mean, last year. He did contract COVID and said he lost 10 pounds. So it wasn't as great of a year probably because of that, but I'm sure he's working his way through that feedback and tip top shape. And, you know, you're right. Just being 6'2, six uh, it's just such a big advantage, especially on the outside. And what his ability to catch those outside balls is going to be, I think very attractive for someone. And it's going to be interesting to see if any of these driver's receivers below him, jump alone like i'm just thinking from like the Titans' perspective if we stay at 22 and, because definitely i think there's a high chance we're gonna try to draft someone that's effectively going to be a Corey davis replacement and bateman does remind me a little bit of Corey davis but at the same time do you would you rather go slot in that case and personally i'm just gonna be honest i'd rather have Terrace marshall and maybe that's just a little bit of sec bias in my evaluation because I, I i don't i know the big ten has a lot of talent but i just i think these SEC receivers are going up against better talent week in and week out. But, I mean, obviously either either receiver would be, I think, a good fit uh, as a compliment to your A.J. Brown.
0: Yeah, that's – again, that's going to be really interesting because is Bateman maybe going to slip up because he is an outside receiver? And like I said, I mean, teams want that explosive slot receiver. Like they want somebody that is a game changer. Not saying that Bateman couldn't be a game changer, but just saying that, you know, when you think of a guy that you could just get into space and let him let him go to work, he's not maybe that guy. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, All right. Yeah, so the receivers loaded draft class. Nick, to kind of wrap up here, this wide receiver class uh, just overall, which class do you think is better since we're comparing, you know, Bama LSU, last year's wide receiver class compared to this year's wide receiver class? Do you think this class could be better, Uh, especially after seeing how last year's class with, you know, Jefferson being as good as he was, C.D. Lamb had some great moments with the Cowboys. Like, where do you see this class ranking in comparison to last year's? Because everybody kept telling me, you know, going into last year's draft, this is the best wide receiver draft class maybe ever. Remember? I mean, that was the, that was the debate. Is it the best wide receiver draft class ever? Do you think that this class could potentially be better?
1: Well, I certainly think it definitely could rival it. I mean, what's interesting to me is the best receiver out of all of them, Justin Jefferson, wasn't even one of the top receivers last year. He went all the way down at 27. So, yeah. I mean, just because we're talking about uh, Jamar Chase and we're talking about Devontae Smith and Jalen Wall, doesn't mean that one of those three will end up being the best receiver from this class. As like I said, when you look at guys like a Marshall, when you look at guys like Elijah Moore and you look down in that range, I think there's some guys out there that are going to have opportunities to establish themselves. Now, it's, it's unfair to expect any of these receivers to have the year that Jefferson had last year. And it's all going to depend on the situation because a lot of these teams, these receivers are probably going to go to. Um, are, they're not going to be paired with a guy like Kirk Cousins, you know, who is a veteran who can get a, a young receiver in. But because we're thinking about the teams where, who are going to probably take a receiver. So you look at a team like the Dolphins, who are young, they're talented, but there are questions over whether or not Tua Tagovailoa is the guy. You look at a team like, obviously, the Titans. So if the Titans take – one of these uh, receivers, which I think they definitely are going to, you know, you got Ryan Tannehill. I, you know, I think if we look at what the Panthers are doing, for example, I don't know if they would take one. They are pretty set at that position, but consider they just brought in Sam Darnold, maybe they bring in a wide receiver there. Uh, would the Lions be interested? I was about
0: to say the Lions uh, I mean the rumors are that they are really really love Jamar Chase like they they that that's their number one guy on their list and they're really hoping that Cincinnati doesn't take him now again all this is rumors all this is speculation but I think that's an interesting team I mean throw in the Eagles as well who uh, the reports are coming in that they really like Jalen Waddle, and they think Jalen Waddle should be available uh, by the time that they they draft with that 12th pick so Giants? Did the Giants maybe take a receiver at eleven? Like I know they signed Galladay, but they could maybe use another guy. You know, trade back. So a lot of a uh, lot of interesting. Yeah, kind teams. of felt
1: like Daniel Jones and I guess his last chance. You know, because if Daniel right. Jones doesn't play well this year, then I think next year the Giants are looking for a new quarterback.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens as well. I mean, oh yeah, they, was, I think the
1: Ravens for sure will be drafted. That,
0: that's probably I, I, just looking at the list. I mean, that's probably one of the teams that feels like a guarantee that they have to take a court or a receiver at 27 just because, you know, they signed Sammy Watkins, but we know Sammy yeah. Watkins plays in about 40% of his games, and he's pretty good when he does play, but we just know he can't really stay healthy and play a full season anymore. So, almost well, reliability well, there.
1: What happens in this draft is what the yeah. Bengals do. Do they go with Sewell, which I think is the smart thing to do. I don't understand why you wouldn't, because I think Sewell is uh, one of the best offensive line prospects we've seen in a while. But if they go wide receiver, uh, it's gonna it could make teams panic and kind of start a run on wide receivers. So there could be a scenario where you have three quarterbacks, you have Pitts at four, and then we also should mention too, uh, just to kind of lump them in with the wide receivers. The tight end class outside of Kyle Pitts is not big at all. Like yeah. the next, he is Pat Freermouth. He's ranked fifty fifth. Fifty fifth. And then the next guy is Tommy Trimble from Notre Dame, ranked ninety sixth. So, so,
0: basically, what you're saying is it's Kyle Pitts and everybody else <laughs> at tight end. I mean,
1: I'm not saying these guys couldn't be uh, productive. And they saw it was like Donovan like Smith be ranked in this range, and they turn out to be really, really good tight ends in the long of run. Of course. But the only one that I think is going to be like a Travis Kelsey, uh, Rob Gronkowski type impact tight end is Kyle Pitts.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with that. And I would almost want to call Kyle Pitts a. a receiver slash tight end, right like he, really? he's yeah he's just he's different man like you know they say he's, he's a unicorn He's just he's different he is he's he's unique here's a
1: question like if you had your choice would you take one of the receivers that were talked about or would you take Kyle Pitts
0: see that's the thing and, and it kind of goes with the Falcons as well like if you take Kyle Pitts does that mean that you are trading Julio Jones or do you just keep all three you know Calvin Ridley Julio and Kyle Pitts and run with it like that's that's interesting Honestly, man, I would take, I would take Pitts over the receivers. I would. I think he's that kind of game changer. And like, we just know, like with, like you mentioned with some of these tight ends, like it's, it's an important position. Like a receiver is good. A receiver is big, but like when you have a tight end as good as Kyle Pitts, who, you know, you have to worry about potentially double teaming. You have to worry about, well, you can't throw a linebacker on him. He's too quick. Well, He's too strong for a safety. He's too big. You can throw up jump balls. Like, he's just, he's got it all, man. He's got it all. I just don't see any flaws.
1: Like, literally in the last Super Bowl, like, had an argument for MVP with the way he played in that game. Exactly. The year before was literally Travis Kelsey versus George Kittle. Right. I really think having a a important tight end, while it's obviously not ever going to be as important as having the right quarterback, it's becoming as important. Like, Especially in the past dominant era, it's almost important to have a good tight end as having like a good running back.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Which, which would have been a crazy statement to make a decade ago, but I think now if you can have that elite tight end, you absolutely have to go get him.
0: Yeah, and I think that's I think Atlanta is sitting there and they're saying that man, they're like, hey, let's not overthink this. Let's just if Kyle Pitts falls to four, we got to take Kyle Pitts right. Like, and it, of course, it, every indication is he's going to fall to four. So. Like, I don't blame them. I absolutely don't blame them. Just trying um, to
1: think with the foot. Like, would the 49ers even remotely consider going Pits there? Because, I mean, obviously
0: – Pitts and Kittle, what a combo. What a combo. I mean, let's just run bootlegs, play action all the time and just have those guys run right up the seam <laughs> every single time. I'm trying yeah, to I don't think
1: mean, any chance of, like, any of the three teams going Pits, but, like, they're all going quarterback. I feel like that's – They,
0: they have to. Yeah, they, they have to at this point, especially without, you know, everything that the Niners gave up to give up to three, like uh, I feel like you have to take a quarterback because as good as Kyle Pitts is, as good as we were making him to be, or at least, uh, you know, the expectations are with him, quarterback is still important, more important, right? Like a, court, a solid quarterback is still the the number one key to a good offense. And, you know, I, I want to save the quarterbacks for, one, for another second. I want to dive a little bit more into the running backs because we talked about them just a little bit. Uh, So to kind of – we're going to talk a little bit about the offense, uh, wrapping up the offense, running backs, maybe look a little bit at the O-line. Not a lot to talk about there, not as much to break down, but we'll still take a a quick look. And then we'll look at some of the defensive guys as well to kind of wrap up. But uh, looking at the running backs, Nick, I found it really interesting. One thing that stood out to me was the fact that the number one rated running back on Pro Football Focus, and so we're continuing to kind of use this and just looking at – rankings of these players and kind of breaking them down a little bit the number one ranked running back on their list was not Najee harris it was not travis Etienne, which are the guys that expect to be the two top running backs taken it's this guy Javante williams from north carolina like how about this uh right. And, you know, yeah, our, our, last year. right and you know just reading some of the stuff like he broke 76 tackles on 157 carries and on pro football focus who does a lot of research, does a lot of stats and has a lot of information. They said this past season, uh, you know, him doing that this past season produced easily the highest broken tackle rate we've ever recorded for a single season. Like my goodness, that just yeah. sounds absolutely insane. So I found it really interesting, Nick, Javante Williams, I, know what are your thoughts? I looked at the stats, A 1,000 yards, not terrible, 7.3 average, like you said, 19 touchdowns. He also had three receiving touchdowns, which isn't terrible. It it surprised me to see that he was still higher than the other guys, and he was actually higher by a decent amount of rankings. He was 53. Najee Harris comes in at 65. So is Javante Williams a guy that you would take as the number one running back, even a guy that you would take maybe in the late first round? I mean, Teams that need running backs, I mean, you're looking around. The Steelers uh, are definitely one of those teams at 24 that are going to be definitely in the mix for a running back. Uh, You know, maybe Buffalo Bills could be in the mix. So uh, a couple of teams there. What are your thoughts on Javante Williams from UNC?
1: Right. So I I think when it comes to running back, it's all about fit. Because obviously Javante Williams is more of a McCaffrey-Kamara type. I'm not saying he's that good. Uh, On that level, but he's a shifty guy, a guy who's going to catch a lot of balls. North Carolina is a spread offense. If you ever watched him with Sam Howell, and he just he gets out in space a ton, and the seventy-six broken tackles is just absolutely
0: crazy. When I read that, I was like, Uh, wait, what? And the highest ever recorded. I mean, think about all the great running backs that we have had. I mean, even like think about Derrick Henry and the amount of tackles he broke in college and and the big runs and him winning the Hosman Like. You tell me, Javante Williams is is right. the stud here? I think the crazy. best
1: game last year, honestly, was probably at Miami because and that 62-26 win. It, and we have to remember Miami has two potential first round picks on their defensive line as well, yeah. uh, and Gregory Rousseau and God, the other guy,
0: Jalen Phillips, I believe, and right? Jalen Phillips, Moms, the right. other, uh, I believe, linebacker slash kind of defensive end type.
1: Yeah, 23 carries, 236 yards, three touchdowns. And that, there's an, no
0: telling how many tackles he broke in that game. I mean, right. he may have broke the record for most broken tackles in a game uh, rushing for that many yards.
1: Right, and that might be uh, defense well not great. It was decent. Um, certainly better than – certainly good enough not to uh, give that much up to one player. But at the same time, I just – I can't get over Najee Harris from Alabama not being – Number one running back, or even Etn, because I've always been extremely impressed with Travis Etn and just what he's been able to do, uh, both from the backfield and as a receiver. Because Etn runs a 4.4, I mean, he is fast, he's 5'10, to, to home a run
0: hitter, back.
1: yeah. So, and he how really,
0: you, I don't mean to cut you off, now, but how much of an advantage is it that he is such a good receiver of the backfield? Because you look at his rushing stats and you say, well, he didn't even reach a thousand yards, I mean. I mentioned like Javante Williams got a thousand, Najee Harris nearly got fifteen hundred. ETN only had nine hundred fourteen yards, but then again, you look at the receiving touch and you are like, "Oh man, forty-eight catches, five hundred eighty-eight yards, like two touchdowns." And you know he did have sixteen hundred yards the two previous years, or at least sixteen hundred. You have to remember of those years.
1: games for Clemson. Uh They had DJ Ujilei, yeah, who who did decent, who did pretty well, especially for a freshman. But still, I mean. He only played with Trevor Lawrence for like six or seven games this year. So, you know, I got to take those stats with a little bit of scra- a little bit of a grain of salt. Right, of
0: course, now, of course.
1: The number one quarterback, you're going to throw a lot. So I don't blame that type of per- lack of production on ETN uh, whatsoever. But, you know, it just depends what you are valuing out of a running back here. Because if you want a bigger guy, you can go downhill. If you want your own version of Derrick Henry. I think Najee Harris has that potential. I'm not saying he's gonna turn into Derrick Henry, but he's six to two thirty, and he himself can catch.
0: Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, 43 catches himself uh, for 400 right. yards, four touchdowns. Like, yeah, I mean, he can. He not so overwhelmed well.
1: by all those receivers. Like, people forgot Najee Harris existed, but like, yep. I-, I forget what he did. Right? It was uh, in against Notre Dame in the playoff. Remember, he had that one hurdle that like just oh, made yeah. all the rounds uh-huh. and it's like this, this is Derek Henry's protege. And, and it kind of makes sense that he's from Alabama. And I really think if I needed a running back and they were still on the board, I'm going Harris first, just because I see a little bit of Henry in him. And I, I'm not saying that Harris is going to turn into Derrick Henry, but I think he has that potential, especially if you put him into the right situation, yeah, you know, just I mean, let's just that that offense that Alabama had last year is probably going to go down as the most talented college offense of all time. I mean, it has to. Outside of maybe the LSU the year before because mm-hmm. it's just unreal what what they had.
0: Absolutely. And Josh Harris a big part of it and it you know, it's crazy. You tell me he's 6'2 what did you say 230 and at
1: yeah, 230.
0: It just doesn't seem like he's that big just because he's so like shifty. He's so quick too. Like he's got that explosiveness about him as well. Uh, so, you know, I, I will say Javante Williams is ranked higher on PFF. Now, a lot of mock drafts do have uh, either ETN or Najee Harris being the first running back taken. But, again, you know, take that with a grain of salt with these mock drafts. Also, I want to mention, like, Pittsburgh. W- what, is, what is the best fit for Pittsburgh? Because I really do think when you're looking at the list – that is the number one team when it comes to drafting a a running back in the first round. Like there, there are a couple of teams here or there that might, might consider it like man, I mean, really uh, just looking around, like maybe Buffalo would just to get an, an, another explosive back to kind of, cause they didn't run the ball extremely well this past year, but really Pittsburgh seems like that team sitting at 24 to take a running back. Who, who would you take if you're sitting there? Cause you said, you know, Najee Harris is really good the E.T.N. is really good. Just told you, Devontae Williams is 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 unbelievable at breaking tackles and making guys miss. Who who do you think is the best running back overall, receiving, rushing, everything? Is it Najee Harris?
1: All right. So for the Steelers themselves, and the fact that they're still going to have Ben Roethlisberger, who I, I disagree with the fact he's still playing. He should have retired this year, but however, the Steelers are gonna they're gonna stick with Big Ben for as long as he wants to play. Apparently, but unlike Tom Brady. He doesn't. He doesn't have it anymore. For their offense, because they do a lot of short passing, they really couldn't run the ball at all last year. I, I do honestly think that either Etienne or Williams is the better fit there, just because they have uh, the, they have the ability to create more space to really be that short term running game uh, to really bring that short term uh, passing game to life. Necessarily, I just I feel like if, if it were like five ten years ago. When Big Ben had the ability to throw the ball downfield and really punish teams to play action, I would one hundred percent go Harris. But because he isn't that quarterback anymore, um, you, you have to give him a weapon that he can throw to a ton out of the back, yeah. and that's going to be more Williams or uh, ETN.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm curious. You know, just talking about Pittsburgh a little bit, I'm curious to see if they do change up their approach and try to become more of a run emphasis team, just because. They were so brutal last year. Like, they were one of the worst Honestly, rushing offenses.
1: For the Steelers, I wouldn't even draft running back first. I would seriously be looking to trade up and get a quarterback.
0: Really? Yeah, okay. I
1: would be drafted because there's no way Ben Roethlisberger plays after this year. I, I think I would be good in my quarterback now, especially with the fact that draft classes in the future aren't going to be very good. Unlike Matt Ryan, who I think could play for a few years with the Falcons, I don't think Roethlisberger has much longer, uh, especially past this season, uh, I would I mean, be my quarterback now
0: kind of feels like this is it right like I just don't see him coming back after this year and I think you're right like I I agree and I want to kind of I want to segue into the quarterbacks from that but real quick any steals in this draft for you Nick you know later fourth fifth round running backs because we know there's always that guy there's always that running back who kind of gets overlooked who gets drafted like I said a little bit later and ends up being a stud. Uh, Is there a guy that kind of stands out to you at all, looking at the running backs list?
1: There's a couple of guys for sure. I think of someone like a Trey Sermon from Ohio State, 6'1, 215. He had some breakout games with the Buckeyes, and he also played at Oklahoma before, did really well at both spots. He certainly could be a value pick later on in the 4th and 5th, and I'm curious to see if he gets drafted or if he'll be an undrafted free agent. But Jared Patterson from Buffalo – Last oh, yeah. year, had I, I think it was 900 yards in one game, and I know it was against Kent State, but still 900 yards of rushing. Huh? I looked I think it was it was close to 100 yards. i like, I don't
0: know if it was quite 900, but it was a lot. I think yeah, I want to say like total yardage. It might have been like seven, six hundred, but it was ridiculous, man. I mean, he was just running all over it. And it, it was, okay, it was
1: four. It was 409 yards and eight touchdowns, but still. Like, and in the first half, insane, he had yeah. 267 yards on 18 carries and five touchdowns. And I know it's Kent State, but still, like, I get, to do that against anyone is insane. Right. And it just feels like uh, someone is going to get a playmaker really, really late that you can you know, plug in and get some production out of.
0: Absolutely. And uh, another – Still, I like that. I almost forgot about (laughs) Patterson a little bit uh, because you're you're right. I mean, he had that breakout. I want to say towards the end of the season, who wasn't as good. I think he may have kind of died out a little bit. But, hell, when you're getting 40, 50 carries every game the first four or five games, I'm sure he was probably a little worn out halfway through the season. Uh, Another guy to keep an eye on, Nick, Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. I don't know if you've noticed, but Memphis has been pumping out some pretty good running backs Going in the later rounds, Antonio Gibson was kind of a steal. Yeah. Tony Pollard, uh, who's been a backup in Dallas, I think is a, a where he's going to end up leaving because Dallas is probably going to keep Zeke, which I, I think is a bad decision, but I think it's going to happen. And Tony Pollard, I think, is going to go somewhere and be an absolute stud because I think he's a star who just doesn't get enough touches because, of course, you're behind Ezekiel Elliott. And then another guy, Daryl Henderson, with the Rams. I mean, he had 600 rushing yards this past year, kind of one of those guys who has been a plug-in guy for them. So – you know, they've had th- – and that's just in the past two years that right. they've had these guys, you know. So- I think
1: i got to point out, too, Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. I really liked – even though that offense wasn't particularly great, I like the fact that he got a lot of work as a receiver this past wow. season in that area of offense. And I think that's something that an NFL team somewhere is going to bring him in on just for that skill. And even if he – it doesn't end up being a top-tier running back, because I don't think he'll be a starting running back, he'll at least be someone that you can plug in to – at least be another receiving threat from time to time, just because he now has that experience in an air raid offense.
0: Yeah, there's all there's always a need for that. There's always a need for a third down back, a guy that can come in, catch ball in the backfield, make some plays. And I was also going to mention Gainwell from Memphis. He had 51 catches, 610 yards, and three touchdowns. He did set out 2020 due to COVID, as many guys have, but 2019, man, this guy was a stud. So another guy to look at. I like Colin Hill as well. Running back draft, I, I think there's a couple guys, like you said, a few guys that could maybe be uh, some steals in those later rounds, as we typically see with back.
1: last chance U alum, Rupim Boyd, who's on this list as well. I always good okay. to see those guys getting from the Juca level two here, although he's ranked only 291. So he'll probably be an undrafted free agent, but you know, he was stuck at Arkansas, never was any on great offenses, but I, I think he has talent. I, I don't know if he'll make it to our roster, but hey, I'm rooting for him just as a fan of that show.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Nick, we could talk a little bit off about the offensive line. You know, there's not much to talk about, honestly. We all know Suell, top-rated guy. I mean, he's been the top offensive lineman really for a long time. Like, I mean, we I remember the Bengals were, you know, had people, fans had signs, you know, talking about drafting Suell like late in the season. Like, there's still four or five games left, and they wanted to draft Suell like. You know, of course, after Bauer got hurt and they knew they needed to help that offensive line. So we kind of know that he's a lock for that. Any other, you know, offensive lineman that stood out to you? I know Rashawn Slater from Notre – or Notre Dame – from Northwestern is a guy that's getting a lot of attention as well. Uh, A guy with a great work ethic. That's kind of the the notion around him. Any other offensive lineman that kind of stand out to you that could be – end up being really good?
1: Right. You know, I think – you're kind of bringing it back here to Tennessee, Um, Trey Smith. You know, I think that's a guy that a lot of people around here are going to be curious to see where he goes because that's someone, you know, when he came into college, he was the number one overall recruit. His freshman year, he definitely lived up to those expectations, but due to injury, some of his health issues, he never quite lived up to the expectation in the last few years of his career, but he's still predicted to be a top three round pick. And I'm kind of curious to see which team he gets selected to. Because certainly if you're able to mold him into a capable guard and this league, cause even though he played tackle, mostly at Tennessee, their NFL scouts are saying he's going to be a guard. Yeah. You know, he could certainly start somewhere, at least provide depth. Uh, I, so.
0: I think, I think it's an advantage as well because he has played tackle. He's honestly, he's moved around a little bit. He's played a couple of positions and right. I think that will benefit him as well because we know with offensive lines, I mean, injuries, all that starts to happen, and you just need guys that you can kind of plug in anywhere. A guy that can play tackle and guard is very valuable. Even if he doesn't start day one, it's nice to have a guy that could be, like I said, kind of in any position and step in and do pretty well. So, yeah, Trey Smith. Christian
1: Carrasau is another one that I really like from Virginia Tech. He didn't allow a single sack or hit last year on this quarterback.
0: Wow. I mean, that doesn't get – doesn't get much more impressive than that. He's a tackle, like you said, as well. Uh, so, honestly, there's quite a few tackles. Not a lot of guards, like, when you're kind of looking at it. Uh, Trey Smith, uh, it looks like he's, what, the second or third right. uh, predicted? I just I mean, play really
1: number 61, Wyatt Davis from Ohio
0: State. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, I believe, just looking at guards, you have Kendrick Green from Illinois, and then, you know, right behind him is Trey Smith uh, at the other guard position. So, uh, you know, kind
1: I'll of look- like kind of thin too, because the highest rated center is Landon Dickerson, and it's only forty-four. So really, it seems like the biggest talent talent is at tackles. Which I mean, that's, I mean, it's the blind side, right? The left tackle is be your second highest paid player most of the time. So
0: absolutely, definitely a position. I mean, when you think of what do you want to get to protect or you think of a, a solid tackle like Sewell. You don't really think of a guard or a center to protect the quarterback as much. You're absolutely right, and. Uh, to company that. You know, it's really crazy is Landon, Dicker, Landon Dickerson is the highest-rated center. Let's not forget, I mean, he's the guy that, what, tore his ACL, right, in the SEC championship game? Right. Uh, he was the uh, – It was it ACL or Achilles? One of the two. But it is still kind of crazy. It wasn't ACL. Uh, but it is so kind of crazy that he's going to be able to come back from that, uh, you know, that late in the season and still be able to be the top-rated center. Pretty impressive for him. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh, that's a little bit of the offensive line. Now let's get to some of the uh, nitty-gritty, some of the best, or I guess probably the most talked about position when it comes to the offensive side, and then we'll run through the defense a little bit quicker than the offense just because offense, more interesting, more talent, more explosiveness, more of the players you're going to know and names you're going to know. But we'll definitely look at the defense as well in just a second. But it's all about the quarterbacks, Nick. It's all about the QBs. And as we know, I mean, we're looking at the first three picks to be all – quarterbacks here we go I'm like let's not even talk about Trevor Lawrence we get it he's great <laughs> like I don't even want to talk about it I mean we could maybe debate whether he's going to be uh, you know he's going to live up to the expectations of you know people are comparing him to Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning we could debate that let's just say like we know this guy's going to be pretty good he's going to go number one right <laughs> like we could go ahead and say that now I think we can talk a little bit more about, about Zach Wilson at number two. I mean, every indication is the Jets are going to take Wilson at two. Nick, I, just, I still don't really know what to think about this guy. I mean, you you hear all the the fact that he can make the, the great throws. You see the throws at his pro day where, you know, he's rolling to his left. He kind of threw back to his right a little bit. And he's throwing it way down the field, and it was the dime. And everybody's like, oh, wow, look at this guy. He's the next – gunslinger Mahomes, gunslinger Aaron Rodgers, gunslinger, you know, maybe Russell Wilson, a guy that can just sling it down the field, a little bit undersized, but can move around and make plays, right? In your opinion, do you see Zach Wilson as that guy, as that gunslinger, unbelievable talent, as kind of people are portraying him at this point? Like, do you think Zach Wilson will live up to the expectations of a number two pick in the NFL?
1: Man, that's a, a touch, such a tough question, right? Because he's going to go to the Jets, who yeah. historically can't develop quarterbacks.
0: I, I was I was talking about this. Like, when is the last great Jets quarterback? Is it Joe Namath? <laughs> like, think about it. I, Chad Pennington. I mean, Mark Sanchez. Like, they've had some really yeah, really bad quarterbacks.
1: So, and 30 wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. He wasn't that Joe he wasn't Namath. Special. He wasn't great.
0: So. I was about to say, I mean, if it wasn't for his guarantee win in the Super Bowl, really, like, how good was Joe Namath? If you go back and look at his stats, Nick, I did, I believe, last week or the other day, I was looking at his stats. They're terrible. Right. <laughs> I mean, he was not really good at all. And like I said, it was just that one moment that kind of defined him and, and of course, got, winning and, the game.
1: and got to live off that moment with his eccentric personality and it has remained relevant ever since. Yep. It, but kind of like the Bill Russell, of the NFL. Uh, well, not really. That's a bad comparison. But just in terms of how his legacy uh, overshadows his actual production.
0: Yeah, uh, I would agree. That makes
1: any sense? But on Zach Wilson, I get Josh Allen vibes, and this is why I'm hesitant to call to like say he isn't going to do anything because two years ago I was super convinced Josh Allen was going to be a bust. I looked at the fact he only had 64 yards in the game against Oregon. Uh, I looked at the fact he played in a week conference. I was like, Oh, okay, I know he can make insane throws, but I'm not convinced Josh Allen is gonna be any good. And like after I was,
0: season, I was right there with you. I was right there with you.
1: Rookie season, I was like, Yeah, this dude can't make the throws. He can't be an NFL quarterback, but now he is one of the best young quarterbacks. I get Josh Allen vibes. And of course, this is a quarterback that I've seen. I don't know, were you at that BYU Tennessee game two years ago? I
0: actually was, it was actually on my birthday.
1: Crazy oh, enough, yes. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, not the best birthday. Obviously, kind of got uh, was excited. Last- was oh. excited at halftime. Was excited for pretty much the whole game up to the fourth quarter.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I was mad the entire game because I was mad that Derek Garantano was blowing the game. But
0: you know, oh yeah, I am a the here. linebacker. I know. Yeah, let's <laughs> not let's not get too off on Tennessee football because right. next thing you know, we'll be talking two hours about yeah. just past this. disappointment.
1: <laughs> but anyway. Um, But, obviously, he displayed his arm strength back then. I mean, on that last throw, I mean, he threw, what, 50, 60 yards down the field. I mean, not a lot of quarterbacks could do that. And through the first he was making this past year, a lot of quarterbacks couldn't do. Now, there are some games where he didn't play so well. I mean, I think of at Coastal Carolina was one of them. But then again, we have to remember. Surf
0: turf. Struggled on that surf turf. Then
1: again, that was a game that was prone to go at the last minute. So, that's part of it. And plus, his offensive line really did not play well at all in that game. So, yeah, you have to cut him a lot of slack. Uh, there. He just certainly was uh, had just a breakout season this past year, and it would have been fun to see him against their original schedule, against more rigorous competition, but, you know, with the the potential that he has, and I think a lot of it comes off of seeing what Josh Allen has done in Buffalo, you know, I'm inclined to give this guy the benefit of the doubt because I think if the right coach is in place, in new york and they're finally able to develop a quarterback Then he could be a really really solid quarterback now is he gonna be mahomes rogers wilson i i don't know about that we're i mean you just you don't know like i didn't realize mahomes was gonna be mahomes when he came out at 10 right because he wasn't even the top quarterback that year i mean right. Mitchell trubisky went ahead of uh, patrick mahomes so
0: uh and nick oh no it's all, all a crapshoot right and, and since you bring up trubisky that, that kind of brings me to my next question. I mean, we're, we're looking at these quarterbacks, and I'm, I'm, we're going to talk more about Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, but that, that brings me, like, which quarterback has the most bust potential? And, and we can kind of segue and kind of talk about some of these guys out, out of this list, out of the top, because it really, it, it's five guys, right? I mean, Trevor, Wilson, Fields, Lance, Jones, it's five guys that, that, that we're really focused on here. Out of those five, which one do you see as a bust? Because there's going to be that one, right? There's going to It's almost a guarantee that you're going to have one of these quarterbacks who just does not live up to any expectations, is maybe not terrible, maybe not even as bad as Trubisky, but definitely there's going to be the guy that is not as good as the others that's going to be looked at as the bust of the draft. In your opinion, looking at these guys, who is it? Who is the best?
1: I just, I, I feel like it's Jones. I, just because no, Uh-oh. very few quarterbacks have had what he had in college. He had two of the best receivers in the entire game. He, he had, in my opinion, the best running back in the entirety of college football, had one of the best offensive lines.
0: I was about to say, people forget how good that offensive line is. Mac Jones is barely getting touched. I mean, he's barely getting touched.
1: Like, like here in Knoxville, like he never touched the ground. Like he never even touched the turf. The jersey was school.
0: clean, clean right. as a whistle.
1: So, and like, he's going to be in that situation in the NFL. Like he is going to be put in more pressure situations. And again, this guy that hasn't played in a lot of close games as a quarterback i, I just mm-hmm. seriously doubt that mac jones is gonna look as good in the nfl as he did in college okay, i got to remember alabama for all their success you know they've yet to put a great quarterback into the league now that the jury's still out until a tackle of Iowa. and it yeah. hurts to an extent it can be considered alabama slash oklahoma but i mean there's jury still out on him as well i just don't I think the reason why I'm apprehensive towards an out of a quarterback, and I guess there's this debate over Ohio State quarterbacks too, right, that can be applied.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: But they have so much talent around them that you don't see their direct impact on the field as much as you would at other programs. And I just, I, I'm very hesitant to say that Mac Jones is going to be a superstar. And I definitely wouldn't take him over fields. Um, with Lance, I'm kind of effiant on him. And because here's the thing, if Lance bust out, I don't know how harsh I can really be on him as a bust because he only really has one full year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was an impressive year. I, I want to stress that. I mean, 28 touchdowns, not even throwing a single interception. And again, of course, there's going to be the, oh, he plays at North Dakota State. But of course, you know, Carson Wentz also played at North Dakota State and he had an almost MVP Cal- or he had an MVP caliber season know, so
1: he looks pretty good I mean you know I mean football's football right I mean look for the exactly, school, exactly. the NFL there's a lot of great players who went to smaller schools so mm-hmm. you know that's certainly not going to be certainly you can't have that as a knock
0: going back to Mac Jones real quick though Nick before we talk a little bit more about Lance and then Fields like San Francisco because every pretty much every indication is he's going to get taken with that third pick like it feels like Justin Fields is the third guy on the Niners list. Like the, the reports in, or it's either Trey Lance or Mac Jones. Like that report came out last week. And now a lot of people are just really locking in Mac Jones for that third pick. And, you know, the, 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 kind of reasoning behind it is a lot about, you know, Mac Jones football IQ. That's what people keep saying. He's such a smart football mind. And of course Kyle Shanahan is considered one of the great football minds as a head coach. So, it just feels like they could go hand in hand. He's more of a game manager, which is kind of what this team needs. is a smart quarterback who makes smart decisions. How would that fit, in your opinion, work out? Like, would – because, again, you're right. I mean, it really is all about where the team goes or where the player goes and if it's a good fit with the team and if it has good coaching and if he has uh, a d- enough talent around him. Like, there's a lot of things that go into it. I don't know. I just is is San Francisco it. good enough for Mac Jones to step in and, and be productive?
1: Yeah, like the uh, desire to have a game manager makes no sense. Because if you want a game manager, then why are you moving off from Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo is the prototypical game manager. That's what
0: I've been saying. Right now.
1: I mean, he yeah. doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He got you to the Super Bowl. But yeah, we saw why he is a game manager. He wasn't able to win the Super Bowl. He overfroze Emmanuel Sanders at the end of that game. That could have completely changed the outcome. Uh, that could have given San Francisco their first Super Bowl in over two decades. But, yeah, let's just go out and get another game manager instead of potentially going out and getting a dynamic quarterback. And Justin Fields, and that's what Justin Fields does, and I don't understand why we're slotting Mac Jones football IQ. And, yeah, I'm not denying he has. I'm not even sure he does. You know, with the qu- coordinators that he's had at Alabama, just being around Nick Saban. But, like, as I said earlier, Justin Fields literally transferred – had to transfer schools two years ago, completely changed his offense – and because a guy, remember, let's be honest here, Georgia's offense is not very good, at least when it comes to quarterbacks. No. Um, it's never been uh, JT Daniels might be able to uh, cover that up this year because he is a really, really talented quarterback. But otherwise, uh, Justin Fields like ha- has demonstrated that he can adjust to a new offense very quickly and he can fit any type of offense. And as we saw in the playoffs against Clemson, he really – was able to display the arm he had in addition to his legs, and which I think was always one of the bigger knocks on Justin Fields' crowd. College was, okay, we know he can run, but can he throw? It, it's obvious. He can throw. Mm-hmm. And I, this whole idea of Justin Fields not being football savvy is just absolutely ridiculous to me because people don't realize how hard that is to transfer and to change playbooks like that and to be able to do it at such a level where you're taking your team to the playoffs – for two consecutive years to run through your conference for two consecutive years is uh, it's just asinine. I mean, because I mean, Ohio State had talent and a lot of talent, but they weren't. It wasn't what Alabama had. And Justin Fields made that offense run compared to Matt Jones, who I didn't think, who I don't think was the engine making the offense run.
0: I agree. I agree. And I even, you know, I, I did. I kind of wrote down some steals for. Each position, mainly uh, offense, just because again more a little bit more of an impact. I did some for defense as well, but Justin Fields was my steal because mm-hmm. I, it just it does feel like he's just getting absolutely disrespected. Like, are we forgetting that you know uh, you you mentioned the transferring and everything he's had to go through, and are we not forgetting like like I get he's had some he had some bad games this year, like the Northwestern game and the Big Ten championship was was rough. You know, he he struggled with interceptions at times and all that, but. I'm not going to forget that Clemson game in the playoffs, Nick, where he threw for six touchdowns. He threw for, what was it, almost 400 yards. He's just dropping bomb after bomb, just dropping dimes. I mean, like that just – He outplayed
1: the undisputed number one quarterback in that game.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, like, it's just crazy to me that he's still not high on draft boards. And it makes me – you know what it completely reminds me of, Nick? Deshaun Watson and the whole Trubisky situation. It was Like, we kept – like finding reasons to not draft Deshaun Sean Watson, despite him being successful, explosive, like just a winner, just so talented. Like we just saw that and still somehow Ryan Pace and the bears are like, that's not our guy. To- Mitch Trubisky's our guy. Like well, I feel like we're good. doing the same thing. Like we're doing, we're doing this with Mac Jones. We're saying, yeah, Mac Jones game manager. He only played one year like Trubisky. Like there's a lot of comparisons to be drawn. And I feel like, these teams are doing the same thing. They're finding reasons to not draft the most explosive quarterback, which is Justin Fields, which was Deshaun Watson. And you're taking the more conservative guy for what reason? Like, like you said, like, why would you want Mac Jones, even if he is more of a game manager? Like you want the more talented guy at the end of the day. It just blows my mind.
1: Right. I mean, and of course, obviously you have to be concerned with the off the field stuff. And as we see with Deshaun Watson, there are a ton of questions. Yeah, to say say the least. Just to to say, say Mr. Wilson of Watson Watch, which I was, I'm, I was very sad about because that that was a funny segment, but perhaps in poor taste now. But
0: I was about to say that turned sour pretty quick, Nick.
1: But like, okay, so outside of the top five, you know, as we've seen, we've seen some quarterbacks go very late and become big time, you know, prospects, right? We've seen Tom Brady go in round six. We've seen some other quarterbacks go really late. See, you know, Dak Prescott right in the fifth round. Right. Uh, you know, looking at the rest of this list, and obviously these quarterbacks are not getting the same type of hype. Are are, are there any quarterbacks here that could be a surprise star? In your opinion.
0: I mean, Kyle Trask is a guy I've thought about, and I actually was having this discussion with a friend about how good, you know, Kyle Trask really is, and like he thinks, he, he could, was making the argument that he thinks Trask could be a potential starter, like one of those guys, like you said, that could be late-round guy that maybe gets an opportunity halfway or towards the end of the season and ends up being good. People are talking about this David Mills guy from, from Stanford. I mean, he only played one year, I believe, and I never heard of the guy, honestly, when Stanford was playing, so I'm not going to really take too much of that. And then, you know, there have been some people trying to tell me that, you know, some scouts trying to make Calamon into a good quarterback, but I've watched enough Calamon. I've yeah. watched enough of the uh, robotics that he possesses. So I'm not going to say that Kelamon's going to be good. I would probably say if I had to pick somebody, I would say Kyle Trask, but I don't feel very confident that he's going to be very good either. Unless, again, you know, the thing with Dak Prescott is he walked into a really good situation. He did. You know, they had a, a great offensive line at that point. They had Ezekiel Elliott, who was a rookie at the time, but still we, we all thought Ezekiel Elliott was going to be pretty good and he had one of the best rookie seasons as a running back ever. Um, and, you know, Des Bryant was on the team. They had some weapons, Jason Witten. So he walked into a really good situation. So if Trask does walk into some situation where he has talent around him, he has a decent enough coach, he has some stuff going for him, then, yeah, I think that he could be productive enough to be maybe a starter and give himself an opportunity. But other than that, I don't really see much else. It's crazy to me how far Jamie Newman has fallen off, Nick.
1: Like, i mean i was we high on him in the first place like he wasn't very good in my opinion at wake forest
0: but still yeah. i mean was there not like heisman talk surrounding this guy at the beginning yeah, well, of the year from, like the breakout yeah. player of the year
1: that was coming from georgia fans who okay uh, maybe
0: maybe that's where i was at it at from yeah one
1: quarterback that is interesting to me I don't, I don't know if he'll be drafted or not he could get drafted really late Shane your from smu If he started okay. off at texas um he wasn't spectacular, but it is worth noting that he has completed sixty percent of his passes in every single year that he has played. In his last two years, uh, in twenty nineteen, he threw for thirty four touchdowns, ten interceptions, and nearly four thousand yards. Last year, in a shortened season, still threw for over three thousand yards, twenty three touchdowns. You know, SMU obviously a very high tempo offense. We've seen Dykes still their coach down there at SMU. You know, usually we haven't seen those quarterbacks translate into starters. But this it screams like a guy to me that could be a career backup, a journeyman. And, hey, if the right situation occurs, you know, I'm thinking like, like a Tony Romo situation, right? You know, comes in. You never know. Like that. I just I, – I have a feeling looking for this list that, that Bushell could be around a while just as one of those guys that is able to be on a roster. So that's a, a name to watch.
0: Also, just kind of throwing out there, Sam Ellinger, um the only reason I say Sam Ellinger as well, just because apparently he's had uh I mentioned I may have mentioned this earlier when talking about the interviews. He's had really good interviews, like teams have really liked him, how he handles himself. Obviously, talent-wise, eh, maybe not that good, but,
1: <laughs> I but Frank's ahead of him because yeah, yeah. yeah. which is that. interesting to me. But yeah, I've the, the later list this year though.
0: Right. The later list is kind of interesting, but
1: uh and then Ian. I don't even know why Ian Book's on this list. He's terrible.
0: <laughs> Ian Book. Oh man, Ian it would have been better off playing like tight end. <laughs> like honestly, I, I, I don't know if the kids I, could catch, but he's gonna have no. Very fortunate against
1: Dame, who is perennially overrated.
0: Yeah, always are, always are. All right, Nick, we're gonna move on. We got to move to the uh, defense. We got to move a little bit quicker. Run out of time. Like I said, we wanted to spend more time on the offense, anyways, just because of this loaded receiver draft. The quarterbacks is the talk. Running backs is fun as well. Uh, But let's shift over to the defense mainly. uh, Let's look at the defensive line first, Nick. Really, it's interesting because there's no, you know, there's no Chase Young this year, right? There's no absolute solidified top five, top three pick that's going to be a stud. So, but there's a couple of interesting names. I mean, the top rated defensive lineman, interior or edge rusher, Christian Bearmore or Barmore. I believe it's Bearmore from Alabama. Big defensive tackle, seems like they always got a, you know, big defensive tackle who clogs up the middle. Um, he also – he had 12 pressures in the college football playoffs, which is pretty impressive against those offensive lines. Um, other guys, we got Koweit Pei from Michigan, kind of a hustle guy. Def- he's more of an edge rusher a little bit. Uh, you know, you, we talked about the guys from Miami, Rousseau, Jalen Phillips. Uh, Aziz O'Jalari is a guy that I really like. Edge rusher from Georgia, athletic, really athletic guy. Uh, Any guys that stand out to you, Nick, when just looking at potential, you know, first round picks uh, and even throwing in some teams that need edge rushers like your, you know, Tennessee Titans have been mocked to potentially take another uh, edge rusher, another guy to get to the quarterback, something they struggled with last year. Any guys, like I said, that stand out to you?
1: Right, I mean, this is—it's kind of baffling that you don't—we don't have an elite pass rusher because that's such—that's by far, I think, at this point in time, the most important position on defense. Because obviously you got your secondary, but it's so imperative to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, And just looking at these guys uh, that are on the defensive side, of course, I've really paid a lot of attention to because for a long time. It seemed like that's where the Titans would go, but obviously when they got Bud Dupree from the Steelers. It, that seemed like that the need for an edge rusher, at least in the first round, kind of went out the window. And, yeah, you know, I, I think the one player here that really uh, stands out to me is Gregory Russo from Miami. You know, he had 16 sacks his freshman year. And, you know, and and not that, and that even in the NFL is impressed, right? Because that's a sack of game. But, yeah, remember, this is in college where you're only playing 12, 13 games. So you're getting over a sack of game. And- that's insane.
0: 16? Yeah. My goodness, man. And it's not like, I mean, you're playing pretty good teams in ACC. It's not like the competition super low. Like, you're going up against at least decent offensive linemen. Plus, Miami, it's like their perennial defense. Like, Jalen Phillips is a guy, another guy, so I guess it helped having a de- another edge rusher. But kind of crazy, man. 16 sacks. Wow.
1: Right. You know, it's kind of interesting that they have Barrymore as number 12. They, they kind of throw some shade on him here on PFF. They say they put up zero pressures against the likes of Tennessee and Florida this past season. It almost feels like it's a bit of an insult, but, yeah.
0: yeah a, little, a little bit. I yeah. guess, I mean, they still have him as the highest-ranked guy, so, I mean, he'll take right. that, right? Yeah, um right. Which which guy do you think – so you think Rousseau could maybe have the immediate impact? Because I think that's what you got to look at for a pass rusher, right, is, is just that guy that's going to have just an immediate impact, a guy that's going to be an immediate threat uh, to wreck an offensive line. Again, Chase Young is not the best comparison because he had so much higher expectations than any of these guys. Like this, we talked about Chase Young as being one of the great, you know, defensive ends by the by the time it's over, like he's gonna be. And I still think there's potential for that as he had a pretty solid rookie season. But is Rousseau that guy that could be the game wrecker right off, right off the bat?
1: Potentially. Although another guy too that really catches my is Jason uh, away from Penn State. Yeah. I mean Six five two fifty two, 252, so a very lean guy. He said he only started um, playing in 2016, so he's very young, has a lot to learn about Where's the game, it? which just seems to be the type of guys, especially at a position like defensive end, that seem to go out there and really make a big splash. And it's all – as you said, it's all about what you can do from the start because, you know, those positions don't – they? you don't have as long of a shelf life as compared to quarterbacks. So um, – I think I really like Purcell or away. Al and is another guy I really like. Yeah, it's kind of interesting they have Quiddy Pay as the top edge rusher. He is kind of big, 6'4, 272. So it feels like that you would keep him more down on the line because it feels like as an edge rusher, I want a guy who's either can get down in a stance at defensive end or you can bring him out as an outside linebacker. So I feel like I'd like some like an away, for example, because I feel like it'd be more um flexible and Anjulari as well at 240 you can bring him back onto the linebacker as well. So I think that has to also factor into consideration for these teams as well when they're choosing their edge rushers.
0: Absolutely. I saw Pay, I mean, a sub 6.5 second three cone, and he also benched 36 reps. So, I mean, he's uh, – talk about athleticism. That's John, pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, uh, not, definitely not taken away from that. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's, it is kind of interesting – The pass rushers, it's very balanced as well. Like, I've seen different stuff. I've seen Rousseau going as the top edge rusher. I've seen him in some mock drafts as maybe even going in the second round, mid-second round I've even seen. So, it's going to be really interesting. And like like we've kind of already talked about, like, really important position. And I think a lot of teams in the later rounds could use a kind of solidified edge rusher. I mean, just looking, I I think the Bills – wouldn't hurt to get them a pass rusher there at the, uh, at the end of the first round. Uh, The Ravens who lost some of their defensive talent might not be a bad idea unless they take a receiver. They do have two first round picks. So that'll help as they uh, got their Kansas city's first round pick this year, trading Orlando Brown. So uh, just a couple of teams to maybe keep eyes on there later in the first round uh, to potentially make a move. Linebackers, Nick, eh, not great when you, you get past Micah Parsons, right? So, I can,
1: uh, and 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 honestly, I also have Kyle Pitts, right? Um, and in the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, he he might be the single most talented. He's probably the most talented defensive player in this draft. just Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, he just he can do everything. I mean, he can you he can be your run blitzer. He can be a guy who can get to the quarterback. He can also play coverage. He he can do a little bit of everything. And you know, we didn't get to see him play last year, but I remember him. Uh, playing for Penn State against Memphis in that Cotton Bowl and throughout that year and just he is everywhere on the field kind of reminds me a little bit of Isaiah Simmons mm-hmm. which I think it really just demonstrates what he is able to do on that side of the ball so uh, uh, definitely it's going to see where he lands of course I think a lot of it happens will depend on what happens with the quarterbacks and receivers and if there's a run on those positions because he could fall a little bit just because of that but when teams are ready to start picking the defensive side of course i would imagine your cowboys are going to be amongst the first team to take someone on the defensive side i mean panthers Absolutely. might be someone who takes uh someone takes a chance on a defensive player first and, and that's gonna be interesting too this whole like linebackers versus cornerbacks Thing too. Do you take Michael Parsons or do you take uh, Patrick Sertan with that first overall defensive pick? Especially like if you're the Cowboys, for example, and you're sitting there at ten, and the, all nine teams above you take an offensive player, and you have your choice of any defensive player in the in the draft. Do you w- would you rather want your Cowboys to take a linebacker uh, with Michael Parsons or take the cornerback with Sertan?
0: I would probably say cornerback, just because I still have a little bit of faith that you know, Van Der Esch and, and Jalen Smith will be at least back to back to their 2018 form where they were really good, like past couple of years. 2019 took a step back. Last year, brutal. I mean, Jalen Smith was terrible. Van Der Esch was hurt. So, uh, and, you know, I mean, Sean Lee just retired as well, so maybe Parsons would be a good move. I do think that, like, my thing with a corner is you always need secondary guys, right? You do. You always need guys in the secondary who could at least – somewhat cover, somewhat do their job. But, man, you don't hear a lot of corners making an immediate impact right off the bat, right? It just doesn't seem like that tends to happen very often unless you just get really lucky with an unbelievable talent like Jalen Ramsey, who kind of came in, was a stud from the get-go. But, like, I mean, look at last year's draft. Jeffrey Jeffrey Okuda, the the top-rated corner, the top-picked corner. I mean, did we even hear? Did you hear his name even once this season, Nick, over in Detroit? Like, I don't think I heard about him at all at yeah. all, you know, like, like that, and that's, that's the thing, um, and I mean, just thinking of other guys, I remember Jeff Gladney was drafted by the Vikings late in the first round, and didn't really hear his name, didn't really hear him making much of an impact, but, you know, you do hear about the Chase Youngs, you did hear a little bit more about Isaiah Simmons making more plays, so I, I do think that, you know, Michael Parsons would come in and be an absolute stud, and and probably dramatically improve this defense, but it comes down to need over, you know, talent at that point. Like, it's tough. It really is a tough decision. I think I would take a corner, though, still just because it's more desperate. But I think you are right. I think Parsons is an unbelievable talent. Um, I, I think that's a good segue looking just kind of at the secondary as well as we kind of, uh, you know, wrap up the whole entire defense here. Parsons is the, as you said, top-rated defensive player. Sir Tan, let's look at the corners for a minute since we we've kind of brought him up because – it's also been a little bit of a back and forth between mainly three guys corner wise. I want to talk about a safety. Who's also a stud over in TCU, but um, you've had, you know, Caleb Farley, JC Horn and Patrick Sertan kind of in debate uh, over whether, which cornerback should get taken first. Sertan kind of looks like the favorite at this point, Nick, especially with Caleb Farley. He had uh, surgery over the off season, had to uh, repair an injury. So, There were a little bit concerns there, not much, but then, of course, he just contracted COVID as well, so uh, not getting to do maybe as much meetings and stuff like that leading up. I believe it was earlier this week, so probably didn't miss much, but still, he's not going to be able to to attend the draft. Again, I don't know how much of an effect that is, but he has slipped some down draft boards, and then J.C. Horn's been right there in the mix as well. I like all three of these guys. I really like J.C. Horn. Uh, A press corner, a guy that gets up into you, a man-to-man type corner. But they get, then again, I mean, you look at Patrick Sertan, highest graded cornerback in college football this past season, uh, according to PFF. So, uh, Nick, which cornerback uh, do you really like the most? And which guy do you think would uh, is going to end up having the best career here in the NFL?
1: I would take Sertan first. Just Sertan. I think we have to think about this. You know, think about what he deals with in practice, every single – or adult will practice every That's
0: season. a good point. I mean, he – I wonder how team, practice was, Nick. I wonder if they were doing a lot of one-on-ones. I'm sure they were. I'm sure Alabama's all about, you know, best versus the best. I would love to just see just a one-on-one between those two for at least like 10 routes. That's all I, I wanna love to be a fly on the wall for one of those practices and kind of get to see. I kind of feel like Devontae Smith may have been giving him the business. I don't know, but that is that's a good point.
1: Right. And I and even despite that, you know, he he turned out to be a very disciplined, a very good uh, defensive back, and that's kind of my concern of JC DeBoer. Right? He's a very aggressive pressman cornerback, but yeah. he still got flagged five separate times for defensive pass interference. And you know, there was some question on attitude, at least for the grapevine. You know, he didn't finish out the season, of course. After I had just a terrible season last year, but I mean, he is aggressive, he is a dog for so that you would want on your defense. So, I would definitely take Sertan first. Um, of course, I, I honestly think for the Titans, you know, I think a guy like J.C. Horn it could very well be in play. Um, obviously, Greg Newsom as well um, from Northwestern. Caleb Farley may also what, be- what are your
0: thoughts on Caleb Farley? Because, you know, all the indications were he was going to be probably the top corner, especially at before he sat out last year. But like I said, you know, he sits out. He has surgery. He's kind of slipping down draft boards a little bit. Would, do you like Farley? Do you think there's still that talent there, despite kind of the, some of the uh negatives that have kind of come out with him the last uh, last couple months?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to be concerned with that, right? Because obviously I – mean, It was back know,
0: surgery, by the way. I didn't clarify that, but it was back surgery, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, obviously, especially with corners, right? I mean, they are very injury-prone, but he's still two, yeah. like which is, you know, giant for it's, a cornerback. Ins-
0: that's insane. <laughs> that is insane. And
1: soon as uh, they have Greg Newsome ahead of them, and even though they really said, you know, we don't have a lot of stats on him, right? Because last year he only played 223 coverage snaps and only was targeted 34 times, which of course was in, you know, the Big Ten, which is not the heaviest pass-heavy league in the country, especially compared to the ACC and what Virginia Tech uh, deals with on a week-to-week basis in the offenses they play. Right. So I would definitely take Farley over Newsom, you know, Also, you know, have a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. I was
0: about to say, I was about to bring him up as well, Asante. Right, kind of crazy, the- crazy that Asante Samuel is already – like there's already a junior out there
1: in the right. NFL. Uh, it makes you feel
0: old. Right.
1: And, you know, I know I didn't we didn't get to him at the linebackers, but I also want to shout out ja- uh, Javon Davis. From, I don't know if I'm saying that right, from Kentucky. He tied the record for the highest vertical jump ever recorded an off-ball linebacker, and he wow. had like 90 tackles last year. I saw that set earlier. Um, it was all over the field, and I, I think he certainly could be uh, an undervalued pick there at somewhere in the second or third round for someone and have an impact uh, in the rotation for someone.
0: Absolutely. I, I forgot to to mention, we got to talk about some of these uh, steals uh, here on the defensive side as well. Another guy that I think has been kind of overlooked since we're talking about that, I'm going to move back to the secondary a little bit, what about Javon Holland from Oregon? Uh, this guy was a, a high on a lot of draft boards. He's kind of slipped up a little bit as well. He's a guy that kind of played a little bit of safety and corner. Uh, he started out as a safety. He's moved a little bit to corner, switching to the slot a little bit. So he's another guy that I think has slipped up to maybe, uh, you know, a second round, early third round pick who could be a real steal. Cause I think he's an absolute uh, stud as well. So uh, another guy that is going to be pretty good. And then, you know, speaking of safety, since we you know we talked about the corners, I you know my opinion, I I like Sertan as well. If I'm picking, at ten like Dallas is, and all three corners are on the board, and you know you got to take one of those guys, I would take Sertan. As you mentioned, you know Farley six two, six two as well. It's just crazy how big these guys are, and such an advantage that they can, you know, cover some of the fastest guys in college football and still be able to have that size and athleticism as well. It's kind of crazy, but. You know, I I like J.C. Horn, like you said. It depends if you want that aggressive corner because he's going to get probably burnt at times being over-aggressive. He's going to get penalties. So you're right on that one. What about Trayvon MoRig from TCU? This guy, another 6'2", just athletic freak. What was really crazy is he led all of safeties and pass breakups each of the past two seasons. Not just, you know, this past year, each of the past two seasons – he has been leading safeties and breakups. So that just shows, I feel like, coverage-wise guarding these athletic tight ends. We talk about all these great tight ends and how much uh, more of an emphasis that is, a vertical tight end who can get down the field. You're going to need a guy like Mo Rig to uh, to kind of slow them down. What are your I thoughts on the, the safeties?
1: Well. That, that's going to test your coverage abilities as well.
0: Absolutely. No doubt about that. Uh, so that's definitely another guy to look at. Uh, other safeties, uh, you know, just looking at the PFF rankings, the next ranked guy, you have rig at 16 next is Elijah Molden at 35. So a little bit of a drop off. Uh, but you know, we also have uh, Richie Grant, who by the way, Josh Heupel getting a, uh, getting a defensive player in the draft. How about that? Little Knoxville tie, yeah, but
1: the Tennessee, because uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's going to be a rough side of the ball this year.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh- don't, don't want to talk too much about that. It's interesting. TCU also has another safety Adarius Washington, who it looks like he's uh, right there in the ranks. Gary Powers has
1: always been a very underrated defensive coach.
0: He Uh, has, absolutely. Uh, You know, I know the team has kind of taken a step back in the last couple of years, but you're right. They've seemed to pump out some pretty good defensive players uh, here and there, so that'll be interesting. Um, Any other defensive players, Nick, that that kind of stand up to you that you kind of want to talk about again? I mean, there's a a small chance, but – you know, still a, a decent chance that not even a defensive player gets taken in in the top ten, which is which is crazy right. to think about, honestly.
1: It's pretty insane. And actually, I'm kind of looking for him on here. I'm not sure if he's on here, but okay. So just kind of like just to bring it back to Tennessee a little bit. We've got Bryce Thompson at 166 on the second okay. page, and I saw Alante Taylor on a different board. I don't see him on this. So um, yeah. So wow. I'll be interested.
0: Be- Taylor's getting drafted. Now, Bryce Thompson, I'm curious what your thoughts on that are because I did see a mock draft where he was going, I believe, I want to say, like, it was CBS, I want to say. It was like late sixth, early seventh. Yeah. So a lot of people don't think he's going to get drafted, but what are your thoughts?
1: I mean, if he gets a late draft pick, he certainly has that potential, but as we saw here at Tennessee, and I I don't know how much you can blame it on him, there wasn't a pass rush last year. Um, It seemed like the coaching may have been lacking, uh, probably was lacking, but I mean, they were struggling against Lance. They were struggling against basic route. He just he did he wasn't as impressive as uh, the talent should have allowed him to perform, and uh, that certainly has hurt. Because otherwise, I, I think he would be a solid mid round draft pick. Because I think he has that physical ability. Because remember, I think him and JC Horn were high school teammates. If I were correct, was interesting how Horn ended up being the guy that's going to be a first round draft pick versus. Thompson, who is staring down the barrel, potentially being an undrafted free agent. So um, it's just kind of interesting to see how that worked out in the long run for those two. But um, it'll be interesting to see uh, um, if Thompson makes the NFL roster, even as a late draft pick. Um, obviously, I would expect Taylor to be undrafted, but be, he'll definitely try to work his way on somewhere. I imagine it'll be interesting to see if he could play his way on. I yeah. I, just, I, I don't know if I have any faith in either one of those two being a significant contributor anywhere.
0: Well, I will say this. I mean, Tennessee has pumped out some undrafted guys that have went on to be pretty successful, right? I mean, oh, Mos- Emmanuel Mosley, we have had, what, Justin Coleman, who was, I want to say, was paid as one of the higher-rated slot corners with Detroit, right, a couple years ago. Right. So, um, you know, they've had a couple of guys kind of uh, underrated who have been able to at least have some success and been able to start and do some good things. So that's always great to see as well. Uh, Nick, man, we've run through just about every position. We, we've talked a lot about breaking down just these players, some of the expectations, some of the things, some of our thoughts on this. Yeah. I think the best way to, to kind of wrap up this draft podcast here, Nick, is let's just go through some of the big names that are going to be here in the top ten since. Of course, tomorrow is Thursday, and we're going to really focus on the first round here. You know, let's go through some of these guys, and I'm just going to name a player. You tell me where he ends up. Uh, and, and where you think each guy's going to kind of go and if it's going to be a good fit or not. What do you think?
1: All right, let's do it.
0: All righty. Trevor Lawrence. I'm kidding. He's, he's going to Jacksonville. He's got, it's a, it's funny that like Jacksonville, you know, Urban Meyer gets asked about it. He still tries to dance around it. Like he's not drafting Trevor Lawrence. Like, Oh, we have to, you know, make sure to really hit on this draft. We have to really assess everything. It's like, come on, bro. We know. We all know. Just go ahead and lock it in. I'm going to
1: miss him on Big Noon. I am going to miss him on Big Noon. Because honestly, I, I really think by the end of this last year, the Fox's pregame show was better than College Game Day, just in terms of analysis and stuff like that. But I agree. I'm, no, see what he can do as. Coach. And I don't know how well that duo is going to work together, to be honest. You know, how, how will Urban Myers' offense translate to the pro game? How will Trevor Lawrence? Because there have been questions on whether or not uh, Lawrence is 100% mentally in it. Um, I know there was a quote a few weeks ago about how Go he,
0: ahead. I, I was about how he wasn't in
1: up. love with football. Yeah. You know, he is so gifted at it. So is that something that, what, Max, you make of that? I don't know. I'm like, sure if, if you're still that. good at something, you know, you're, I think naturally you're going to want to try out it but at the same time is there going to be impetus for an early retirement we're going to see an Andrew Luck situation where he was so smart to realize that if he kept on playing he was going to be paralyzed so he got out while he could it could be a similar situation like that with Lawrence and I get Andrew Luck vibes from Trevor Lawrence honestly
0: that's a great point man I didn't really continue to hear that comparison to Andrew Luck just based on his talent but mentally maybe pretty similar as well and not to mention like Andrew Luck was a guy that went to a team that was not bad but you're right. he took a lot of hits and they didn't really build up that offensive line and Jacksonville is a team that because I have a great offensive line right now and doesn't really have a great team either like could Trevor potentially just get beat up for four or five years in Jacksonville and then you know get paid big money because he is so good and then just be like I can't do this anymore that's man that's something I didn't really think about but could be especially like you said with that quote about not really loving football which I don't think again is terrible or anything like you said but there definitely, is going to be something to make of that. Uh, wow, yeah, that's a good comparison. Let's let's burn through the rest of the draft. Let's let's just go position by position still, and just kind of uh, and you know kind of look mainly. I want to mainly look at quarterbacks and receivers, and like I said, mainly looking at the top ten. Maybe throw in some running backs, but I want to talk about just some of the big names that we expect to get taken. And I'll throw in Parsons in there as well, just because he is the biggest name on the defensive side. But I think we all know Lawrence is going to go one. Wilson's going to go two. Number three. San Francisco 49ers, they're going to take who, Nick?
1: I, I sounds like they're taking Mac Jones. And I, I don't agree Mike with Jones. it, but it sounds like that's what they're going to do. And I know Andrew Bowen's is going to be very, very upset when that happens. <laughs> so I hope he's on our live feed tomorrow. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Um, okay. What about so Kyle Pitts? Is it a, you walking right, in is. Atlanta?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, just moving down to the rest of the quarterbacks who could potentially be in the top ten, where does Justin Fields end up, Nick? I'm gonna
1: do a, a bowl prediction. I Uh-oh. think I think the Patriots are gonna trade up somewhere. Oh, and here's here's what I think. So I think you know, Seawall goes to the Bengals. Okay. I, Dolphins take like Chase. I think okay. at seven with the Panthers. Here's the bold prediction. I think the Patriots trade up to seven and take Fields.
0: Okay, I'm curious. You mean the Lions, I believe, have the seventh pick, correct? And I think it's Oh, Patriots right, the out. Lions
1: have the seventh pick. So. Yes,
0: but still, yeah. I mean, the Lions have talked about trading back, so that's very big possibility. be the Lions. I'm curious, like, what would Detroit – what would their asking price be for that seventh pick? Like, would they want – obviously, they'd trade back and take that pick, but would they want another first-round pick? Would they want more second? That's going to be interesting as well as the asking price. But, okay, the Patriots trading up. Man, fields in New England. What initial thoughts?
1: I mean, it would be a a very interesting landing spot. I mean, obviously, you've got Cam Newton, who could serve as a mentor to Justin Fields, even though Fields isn't as big as Newton. They have some similar uh, attributes. So I'm sure there's a lot there that they uh, could bounce off of each other with. And I think eventually Fields would take over for Cam Newton because I just, I'm not convinced Cam Newton can ever return to his MVP uh, type season.
0: I was, I was. Pretty surprised that they signed him, honestly, and they paid him a lot more money. It just felt like a questionable decision, like you said, with his health and everything. All right. Uh moving quickly here, Devontae Smith. Where does Devontae Smith end up?
1: Oh, I definitely think he could end. Up. All right, I'm trying to think. So I, I could see the Lions taking him there. It's uh, at seven if they don't trade back. Yeah, because okay. I think if I, okay. I thinkers would trade out of eight for
0: okay, so Panthers trade out eight getting, yeah, for the Patriots, Patriots get fields. All right. And I think that would be I don't I, I kind of feel like Detroit could still take a quarterback too right there at 7. They're a really interesting team. What Bron- about Jalen? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, that's say The well, Broncos are at 9 and I think they take a quarterback. So, if just if Justin Fields falls to them, I think they take Fields. If yeah. he doesn't, I think they go Lance.
0: I, I I guess we completely forgot, you know, to bring up that Teddy Bridgewater getting traded to the the Broncos earlier today. That's pretty big news as well. Um but uh,
1: I still think they're one from taking a quarterback and Teddy Bridgewater. Right. Like he, like basically Teddy Bridgewater and Tyler, Tyler Taylor are basically the same person. They're going to sit there as transitional quarterbacks. I think another mm-hmm. thing to really think about too is what, what are the Texans going to do in this draft? Because we, there's so much uncertainty around Deshaun Watson. Do you draft a quarterback just as insurance? Because you have well, Taylor. They don't
0: have a first round pick. So you're looking at what? Probably Kyle Trask. Yeah. Do they even have a second round pick? I don't even know if they have a second round pick, Nick.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, what is their first pick?
0: I honestly, like, I I want to say, let's see, second round. Yeah, they don't. the The Dolphins have their second Never round pick as
1: well. Jeez, I didn't realize they didn't have a top two. My God, yeah, their oh, first
0: pick man. is going to be in the third round, Nick. My That's goodness, all time. Oh, oh, that is terrible. Yeah, like I know the Rams have a first
1: round pick either, but at least Sean McVay knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, and, I mean, who's in a better situation right now? That's just brutal. I almost forgot about that. Uh, All right, real quick to kind of wrap up, where does Trey Lance end up?
1: I I think Denver. I think someone will trade up if it's on the page for someone else. I think someone trades up before Denver and gets fields, and I think Lance ends up in Denver.
0: All right, so we got Lance in Denver. And then just to kind of get one last big name, at least an interesting name for me, Jalen Waddle, where do you think Jalen Waddle ends up?
1: Hey, I think Jalen Waddle goes to the Eagles. I think and a lot of
0: lot of indications for that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> we'll call it the Eagles. And then I hate uh, the, I hate that for Cowboys, which I, I'm thinking they go Sertan.
0: Sertan. So there, there's your uh, there's your top 10 right there, huh? So yeah, Cowboys taking Sertan. So that would be the first defense player off the board. You'd have so you have all five five of the, let's see, five quarterbacks going in the top eight, correct? Right,
1: because I don't think there's any way that Dallas would get offense there, right? Because, I mean, uh, they, they got –
0: Unless unless Kyle Pitts is still on the board, no. You do not take an offensive player whatsoever. No, yeah. no way. Unless – again, unless it's Kyle Pitts, which, oh, man, you hear about Jerry Jones. Would you consider with, FPN, Kyle okay. Pitts.
1: Here's the interesting. what if – Here's an interesting – if see well were to go past the Bengals and the Lions. And we know the, the Cowboys' offensive line isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Would you consider Sewell there at 10?
0: I've thought about that. I've seen some mock drafts where they've actually, especially super early, where they had the Cowboys taking an offensive lineman because you're right. I mean, Tyron Smith can't stay healthy anymore, man. You know, Lyle Collins is good, but he's coming off a torn ACL as well where he missed the whole season. Like they just, they are, and they're thin. They're obviously thin. So I don't think it would be a terrible idea, especially if Sewell did fall. Now, would I want to take a risk on like a Rashawn Slater? from Northwestern? Probably not. You know, I, would, I don't think I'd want to go that to that point. But, I mean, Swell's good, man. Like, he's, he's going to be good. And I would be shocked if he fell to 10. But if he did, I wouldn't be mad if the Cowboys definitely tried to take that pick. The more so, I think
1: about it, it's whenever it's impossible both the Bengals and Lions go wide receiver. Like, that's – Yeah,
0: awesome. no, I mean, you're probably right. And, man, I'm just thinking, like, if all these trades that could potentially have at this – this draft's going to be crazy. Yeah, it's going to be I, I, crazy. I still
1: think it would be a mistake if the Bengals don't go with Sewell. I'm a. Yeah,
0: as, as good as Jamar Chase is, I absolutely agree. You got to take Sewell. You got to protect the quarterback. That's that's Marlon King. Like you said, you got two good receivers right now. Like a third receiver is not not as big of a need. But, uh, Nick, we're running a lot of time. I don't want to make this pod too long. But, uh, yeah. Great, great uh, getting another pot out, man. It's been a long time, and it was fun today breaking down the whole entire NFL draft. Like I said, uh, we're going to try to have an episode next week recapping the NFL draft and really recapping so far the whole entire NFL offseason because, I mean, once the draft is over, these rosters are basically set. I Honestly, other than maybe a couple of veteran free agents out there, these rosters are pretty much set. So what we're going to do is we're going to go division by division, as we did last summer, me and Mac did. It's going to be me and Nick this summer. We're just going to kind of go through these teams a little bit, break down the additions, the key losses, uh, what to expect, and maybe even some, you know, predictions for what each team will finish. So expect that to be coming soon as well. I'll be really excited about that, uh, breaking down some of these teams and some of these draft picks and everything even more. But that is going to be all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. As always, uh, go check us out Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 7 to 8, Rock Solid Sports on WTK 90.3 The Rock. Go give us a list. Go show us some support. And always go check out our sponsors, Fieldhouse Social, uh, FieldhouseSocial.com. Nick, it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. My name, as always, Draven Fine. We'll be seeing you guys very soon. Thanks again for listening. And don't don't forget to episode. Right. cover for go ahead nick
1: and during the first round as well we plan on being live for most of it
0: yes i so, forgot about yeah, that yes yeah,
1: tune into to our facebook i will be giving our live reactions it should be a good time there's probably a lot of trash talk and that true so tune in
0: absolutely again thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next week